We are live. Potty, we're here, mate. We are here, mate, and wow. Another lot, dose. Another dose. Another lot of energy about the show tonight, mm. I feel. We've got a lot to get through. A couple of esteemed guests coming on. I'm coming in with plenty of lead in the pencil, brother. Mate, we are ready to go. Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Robert Allenby studio. Mm. Should we get into it, mate? Let's fly. I believe I can fly. You said you could fly. Let's fly. I, I mean, I just I thought straight away. Uh, Mate. Who sang who sang, was that, um, who sang that? Was that, uh, that wasn't R. Kelly, was it? R. Kelly. R. Kelly. It Kelly. was, yeah, definitely. He's in the clink at the moment. <laughs> yes, he mm. is. Yeah. Singing for the boys. Singing for the boys. <laughs> Mate. Um, What's caught your eye? What's caught my eye? Well, you know, we've given it to uh, Dan Andrews a little bit on the podcast Ooh, in the past. and many Deservedly would, so. Yeah, many would say enough's enough. But I'm not one of them. Uh, Dan Andrews and the Victorian government, mate, uh, they just couldn't afford to have the Commonwealth Games. It was an absolute Ooh. shamble. So they, they just couldn't afford it, mate. But you know what they can afford? To pay $380 million to get out of it. It's been published what? this week that they have apparently had to spend $380 million to get out of hosting the Commonwealth Games. How much was it going to cost to run it? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's a bit, I guess you have to speculate how much it would cost to run it because how much do you bring in? But, yeah, for me, $380 million, mate, that's yeah. just poor due diligence, isn't it? You should have been making a bit more of an assessment before bidding for the games. Bef- mate, you know what that sounds like. What's it sound it like? It sounds like an old-fashioned fitness first contract. Fitness first contract. <laughs> you could never get out of those ones, and they cost you a shitload. Oh, mate. I think um, I think friends might have done an episode <laughs> on getting out of the gym. <laughs> <laughs> old fitness first. Mate, so uh, Victoria and uh, Dan Andrews, money well spent um, on absolutely nothing. So oh. job well done, and uh, that's what caught my eye to start with. Secondly, mate, uh Jumping in a bit of rugby league, you saw uh, Luke Brooks uh, brought up a milestone on the weekend. I think he played 250 games for the Tigers or 200 games for the Tigers mm. or, or something of that nature. I mean, his name was on the team sheet for 250 times. He certainly was, certainly was. So uh, I believe when, um, you know, other big numbers have been brought up, clubs have, you know, gone out and said, you know, here's something for you, something special, a present. Mm. Now, I believe Cameron Smith, there was something involving a diamond ring or something that mm. went along with his 400th game, 400 games, of course. Was, uh, that, was that included in the salary cap? Well, please, let's not, you know, you know you're going to fly that, me up here, that mate. Was, that was in the ashtray of the boat? <laughs> You know I'm going to get angry about that, mate. And you know damn well that was Greg Inglis's boat. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple boats. Uh, but the Tigers, they go their own way, mate. Barbecue at Brooksy's place. They've given him a barbecue. Oh, Barbie. <laughs> They've given him a barbecue. Mm. So, uh, And there's a photo of him with his uh, uh, young child and partner uh, right in front of the barbecue. So Ooh, was, uh, an odd gift, I thought. Was Timmy Sheens there? <laughs> he was getting cooked, mate. He was getting roasted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. So, yeah, we're not going to jump into the Tigers' uh, five-year plan that lasted 10 mm. months because, 
you know, we've got uh, we've only got so many hours in a day, don't yes, we? Yes, that's true. So we're not going to jump into that at the moment, but uh, that caught my eye as well. Something that uh, caught my eye as well this afternoon, mate, on a personal level, and it made me a little bit sad being a very big rugby league yep. fan, but, but I have to say it. Uh, the AFL, Auskick, mm. they've absolutely got it nailed, mate. They see the bigger picture. That They've got it figured out. So my son's in primary school. We got a flyer about a week ago. Yep. Auskick, $50, four sessions after school on a Tuesday. I was like, oh. Lewis came home with it. My son, oh, I really want to do this. It's like, oh, yeah, no worries. We'll have to see if we can figure it out. Don't have to figure out anything. No. Pick the kids up from the classroom. Walk them out to the Oval at the oh. school. Run the entire clinic. Get a ball, a shirt, a yes. water bottle, a bag. The swag. All all the gear. He, one session, he loves it. It was incredibly easy for myself and my wife to have him get there and pick him up. There was mm. no hassle off our nose. And now he's come home and he all he's talking about is playing AFL and having to kick. Yeah, it's and genius, isn't it? It's absolutely genius. They've made it enjoyable mm. for the kids and they've made it easy for the parents. Yeah. Tick, tick, tick. And I thought to myself, being a massive rugby league fan, I think we're dropping the ball a little bit from that yeah. perspective. It's something that the AFL has always done well mm. um, in terms of, you know, promoting the game, putting development officers out there, hitting grassroots. But, um, yeah, it is, yeah, like I said, it is disappointing. Um, like, sorry, you've said it, it is disappointing from a rugby league perspective because there's so much potential there. But the AFL just seemed to be doing it right. Yeah, kicking goals, you might say, Greg. Kicking goals. <laughs> kicking goal. Yes. Too bad it's a shit sport. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Uh, what's caught your eye? Uh, mate, I was watching the Premier League and, um, look, I, I mean, it brought a tear to my eye. Michael Bridges, who uh, our former Sydney FC, Newcastle Jets, I believe he played, had a stint with them as well. Um, but he spent a fair bit of time out, out in the land down under, out our way, um, obviously working with... Uh, Fox Sports previously. I think he's done a bit of work with the Optus Sports coverage on the Premier League and the like. But um, he's back. He's back in the UK and he's been doing co-commentary. And the reason why I know this is because he's gone full Aussie lingo. He's gone full Aussie lingo. So basically when you'd watch, you know, football in the past and there'd be a, you know, a bit of a rough tackle or a bit of, you know, sort of grappling, they would, oh, well, that, that's a rugby tackle. I'm listening to the Aston Villa versus Newcastle game, and he goes, mate, that tackle is something you'd see in the NRL (laughs) on the Sky Sports coverage. And I was like, well in. How good is that? Not rugby. No. Not Australian football. No. The NRL. He said that is a full-blown NRL tackle. Oh, mate. mate how good is how that? How good. So I've, I've sent him, I've, I've flicked him through on the on the sports detention Twitter. I've just given him the, the tip of the cap and he's he's given us a like back. So a bit of, a bit of clout from Michael Bridges. So he's, he's obviously a dedicated listener to the sports detention now. So good to have you on board. Beautiful, beautiful. We, we love you. Mm. And also too, mate, uh, the duct tape. Don't, ask, don't underestimate the duct tape, mate. Have you seen this story coming out of um, Jetstar? Out of Jetstar? Oh, hang on. Mm. I did see something about this. Talk me through it. So, uh, don't tell me. Apparently passengers have um, spotted engineers applying duct tape to the plane. 
uh, prior to take off. <laughs> uh, it was a Jetstar flight from Brisbane to Sydney. Uh, however, passengers were left alarm uh, when they were walking onto the tarmac to see, uh, you know, a staff member <laughs> using what looked like duct tape cover a damaged hatch near the bottom of the plane. I mean, don't underestimate duct. Duct tape is the duck's nuts. Let's let's just put it out there, body. Um, it has multiple uses. Um, it works. It's adhesive, and obviously, it can withstand vicious temperatures. Mate, being up there, I, I don't see the problem. I use some duct tape to fix an old washing machine of mine. I mean, that's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? It's brand new. Yeah, but, but I mean, a plane and a washing machine. I mean, I think so. Yeah, I mean, they, they're both uh, you know the mechanical things. Yeah, that's mm. right. I mean, you know. Now, this is where it gets a bit pear-shaped, Potty, because, um, and where I, you know, I get my sceptical hippo eyes out a bit. Um, So the complaint was made by uh, a passenger, and uh, that passenger has vowed to fly with Rex now instead, because they were obviously scared. Um, You know, the the statement was that, uh, and this comes from a captioned photo, our Jetstar flight has been delayed because the airport staff were tasked with patching a literal hole in the aircraft before takeoff. Maybe if they spent more time working on the safety of the aircraft instead of drafting the lengthy welcome to country things would be different. I mean, that makes no sense. This person who I'm now beginning to see is a flog says, it's no saving grace that the eventual instant coffee I'll need to calm my nerves will be setting me back $3.99. Honestly, the humanity of it all. Now, the fact that you haven't considered the fact that you're on an 84-ton cylinder in the middle of the air and you got there okay tells me that you need to have a good look in the mirror, bruh. (laughs) (laughs) The duct tape obviously works. The plane has landed safely, so there was no issue there. However, um, Jetstar's come out in defence and they've said, you know what, Um, it was not just duct tape. It was specific speed tape. Now, I'm in. Speed tape. Oh, yes. Speed tape. I mean, it is, it's, I mean, they're not mucking around if they're putting speed tape on. No, do they sell this at Woolies? (sighs) They have to. Woolies has got everything. They'd have to. Uh, So... It is very commonly used in military aviation, so I mean, it's it's defence. Yep. You know, um, it's to patch light ballistic damage encountered on the aircraft during combat. Okay, so I mean, I'm I'm sold. This bloke's an absolute flog. I mean, he lost me at the cheap coffee. Yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> Potty. When will people get? The fact, and I, I get the same with airports and people complaining about planes being late you know, delays, this, that and the other. When will people get a grip and learn the fact that it defies gravity for a cylinder of metal to float 80, 84 tonnes to float 30,000 feet above the sky and when you get there safe and quick, you should be grateful? (laughs) Fair point. Fair call. I mean, I rest my case. I think so, mate, and I think you've nailed it. So going back to your original point, mate, don't underestimate the duct tape. Yeah, and don't talk shit about a cheap coffee too. <laughs> You'll really get me offside. Yeah. <laughs> duct tape, 
We got your back, son. We love it. Or and speed tape. Speed tape. I mean, defense. Yeah, defense. Absolutely. Um. So, uh, you know, I would assume that uh, there will be some NRL players strapping themselves in speed tape this weekend, and uh, yeah, looking to bust through the line. Yep, I reckon, mate. I reckon. Speaking of NRL players, should we jump into the footy? Absolutely, mate. Let's do it. The rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion. Oh, get that in here! Okay, mate, round 25. We're going to roll straight into the games from last week. The Sharks' um, return to form has continued with a comprehensive victory over the Cowboys, 32-12 to 12 up there in Townsville. So the Cowboys' season is no longer in their hands. They're relying on results. Mm. Warriors, uh, not convincing winners over Manly, 29-22. to 22, But up the they was. just keep winning. They just keep winning. Okay, I'm hearing that a lot now. Up the wars. Up the wars. Oh, I don't mind it. I'll tell you who's playing well. Dallin Watani's at Lesniak. Mm. He is playing very well at Absolutely. the moment. Absolutely. Back to his um back to his best where I think he was at Penrith. Yeah, shout out to the <laughs> the timepieces. They're yeah. watchmakers, the boys. They are, they he are. And his brother Malachi. Yeah. So yeah. Shout out to the boys. Shout out. <coughs> Excuse me. Coughing up a lung. Dying. The, uh, dying, that's right. <laughs> Now, this is not going to help. The Roosters <laughs> put, putting the eels to the sword. <laughs> 34 to 12, uh, which pretty much um, ends Parramatta's season. They need results to go their way and a minor miracle Look, mate, to, to make the finals. But it's it been, was bad. Yeah. It was oh, bad. Yeah. I um, won't jump into it at the moment because it's a little bit raw. It's a little bit stingy. But uh, no doubt at some point very soon we'll jump. We'll jump right in. Rip, rip yeah. that to shreds. Um the Dolphins and the Tigers played a hell of a contest. Yeah. Um, 24 to uh, 23 victory to the Tigers in the end. Uh, your Penrith, mate, the juggernaut just keeps going on. 40 to 14 over the Titans. and um, not, a, not a true indication of the game. The Titans gave it a red-hot crack. No, they, they, did they give, were in there. They did give yeah. it a red-hot crack. And uh, good news for young Jaden Campbell as well. Heard he didn't do an ACL. I, I had it. Hooked oh, on. That's what it looked I, like. I, I texted you straight after yeah. and I said, look, that's that's got to be an ACL. And they were saying that it could potentially be a medial. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Patella like, tendon, I think. Yeah. So they out for the season. But yeah. as far as they're concerned. You want to get that one right. Yeah. So, or maybe it was a dislocation. I'm not, not 100% certain. But NRL physio on Twitter. He's, he's, he's oh, a good follow. I love the NRL physio. Mm. Shout um, out to him as well. Shout out to you. The Storm, thirty-eight to uh, thirty-eight to twenty-eight over the Dragons. That was a weird sort of a match. It was back and forth. You never really thought like the Dragons were going to win. There were some of the softest tries you'll ever see in mm. your life. But um, even though the Storm won and scored thirty-eight points, I think most people would have walked away from that game going, "Ooh, they're not looking real strong heading into the finals." Yeah, it was bizarre. I thought the the Dragons started well. Mm. Um, yeah, but it, you know, high scoring, and if, you know, if you're conceding twenty-eight against the Dragons, I mean, that's not a good tune-up for finals football. No, definitely not. Uh, the Knights are just absolutely on a run at the moment. They flogged the Bunnies twenty-nine to ten. Kalen Ponga absolutely killing it. And um, Bradman Best and feel like I'm eating me my words a little bit about um, giving him a stick about the um, the um, Bali. Look, I always backed him. I <laughs> never, I've never had a bad word to say about Bradman. 
<laughs> oh, he's dying again. I'm still dying again. <laughs> I'm allergic to bullshit. <laughs> oh, and uh, the Raiders, I'd have to say, um, very similar to Storm, 36 to 24 against the Dogs. You never really thought the Dogs were going to win, but, you know, a team that can't score points puts 24 on you. That's mm. um, that's a real issue as well heading into the finals. But they're going to be there now, so yeah. anything can happen in the finals, but that won't. Um, sorry, sorry, Raiders <laughs> fans. <laughs> sorry, our mate Cosy. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Broncos, uh, they had the buy, so a nice week off. A couple of weeks out from the finals, will do their players the world of good. Mm. It would have been real. I mean, if you're looking at the Broncos, for Broncos fans out there. I mean, if the Titans had got the result against the Panthers, I mean, that would have been a perfect bye week. Oh, wouldn't it? Wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, I'd imagine from where the Broncos have come, they're not all that worried about the minor premiership. And um, I have um, – I do kind of – in all likelihood, Melbourne are going to finish fourth. Mm. And they've been a very big bogey team for Brisbane over a very long period of time. They do play each other – this week, I believe, coming up or the last round of the year, maybe. Yeah. And, um, you know, they might prefer to take on the Warriors rather than the um, Melbourne in the first round. Look, I'm going to say, um, as a Penrith fan, and, you know, uh, we've had a lot of success recently, which is has been great. However, you know, you get to that point where sometimes as a fan you go, oh, look, if we win the minor premiership, it's neither here nor there. We've won one, you know, recently. We won two. Um. However, I think getting to the point now where we're trying to manage a salary cap, mate, we want to win the minor premiership. Yeah. Because we want to get these players, players paid. Yep. You know, so, I mean, that the prize money that is on offer for a team who has had continued success, such as my team, Penrith, yep. I think it plays a part. Yeah. You know, because, you, you, you know, if you can say to the players, well, hey, you might be, you know, taken a, a, a bit of a hit on your wage but you know if we can win minor premierships we can win premierships you know you're going to get the prize money that's attached to that which sits outside of the salary cap so that being said if i'm not mistaken the the minor premiership is like a hundred grand or something like that yeah it's it? not much no, so <laughs> it's, i think it's actually 300 now okay so it's going up to 300 yeah so which i mean it was a hundred grand for since 1908. Yeah. And I think... <laughs> <laughs> so back then. <laughs> I think it's... Yeah, it took a while for it to get a bump. Yeah. But I believe it may be around okay. the 300 grand now. So two, I, two, 300, yeah. So I imagine they split that across a squad. Yeah. And so about, about 10 grand. I don't know whether they... Yeah, it would be interesting. Whether that might be a research topic. Is it percentage-wise, wages, or is it split evenly across, across the squad? Yeah. Um, number of games played, mm. things of that nature. So... Yeah, or do you just give it all to Nathan Cleary? Well, I mean, that's what I'm alluding to. Or maybe even just give it to Jerome Luai. And say, mate. Or re-sign. Yeah, re-sign. Yes, um, match of the round, mate. I had the Sharks versus Cowboys penciled in, but that didn't live up to expectations. The Sharks were far too good. Uh, and I ended up going with the Tigers versus uh, the Cliff. I've decided to go with calling them the Cliff today just to Ooh. see how it settles. I'm not loving it at this stage, but, you know, I'm yeah. going to push on. Um, are you suggesting that they have fallen off a cliff? Oh, mate, they have fallen <laughs> off a cliff. But I'm not suggesting that we did not see that coming. No, like we, they, we knew it was going to be rough. They they started off brilliantly early in the season, but when you looked at their squad at the start of the year, you knew that there was going to be a taper. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, but essentially it was a, a hell of a contest back and forth. And I don't know if you caught the game, but it's, it's 
the winning goal was kicked by Appy Coracell mm. about 30 metres out on the sideline and it actually hit the crossbar and bounced over. Bounced over, over. Yeah, yeah, that was... So, such an incredible um, finish to the game. Apparently he, he meant to do that. Meant, well, of yeah, course. Yeah, it was so like crossbar challenge. As you do. So he's too t- <laughs> kicked a couple there, hasn't he? That's pure speculation. But um, the Redcliffe, or the Cliff, mate, they did get a win over the weekend. There was a, a pre-release of what their 2024 home jersey is going to look like. I haven't seen it. Well, it looks a damn sight better than... Their Winnie Reds the Winnie home Reds. jersey. Of this I, w- I had fallen in love with the Winnie <laughs> Have Reds. Have you fallen in love? No, yeah, well, I mean, I've <laughs> taken up smoking, but I mean, that's. Uh, basically, that's a they've changed, uh, from what I can see, and I only caught a glance of it, is uh, they've changed the. Um, uh, what would you call it? The sandy sort of colour mm. that really gave it that Winnie Red flavour to, to black. So. Uh, it, it's basically red and black. So uh, I quite liked it at, at first glance. Um, looking around, I can't seem to find it. I mean, they did do a pretty good um, Indigenous jersey. That wasn't bad. Mm. They, Look, oh, I reckon they, they Every go, jersey they did, except for their, um, yeah, their, except main, for their strip. main strip, was a cracker. Look, their <laughs> retro jersey is a thing of beauty. Oh, it is, how is that not their jersey? Know, the red and white, and it's got the Colonel. It's got Colonel Sanders, as they were sponsored by KFC, <laughs> oh, just right it? in the guts. It is a beauty. But, uh, yeah, look, we'll, um, yeah, we'll have to dig out the, uh, the 2024 jersey. Um, for a look at that, mate. Yeah, mate. And we'll see if we can um, we'll see if we can get it up for the fans at some point as well. Mm. Um, so tell me, mate, what was your match of the round? Match of the round. Look, I was going to go with Panthers and the Titans, just you know, being selfish. But because you don't want to talk about the Roosters versus the Parramatta Eels, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Roosters versus the Parramatta. Oh, I had that coming, didn't I? <laughs> What has happened, mate? Ah, uh, mate. Well, um, the sorry. Before you say, we've just got the uh, the image up. That is a ripper. Mm. So I'm pretty sure that's their new jersey coming up next, uh, or the predicted jersey for next season. I like it. Yep. So I think it's mm. a, an absolute perler. It's and, an alternate jersey. And oh, is it? Yeah. So it's got there in the in the caption. This is on the Dolphins Instagram page. Yeah, alternate jersey. Oh, there you, you go. just run that. Yeah, I mean, it's very Panther-esque. Yeah, well, mate. Mm, can't beat them, join them. I don't mind that idea. <coughs> oh, look, so going back to the tragedy that is Parramatta for this season, um, look, they had a couple of things. Grand final last year, huge turnover mm. over in players, so they lost uh, a huge portion of their forward pack. So they prioritised bringing in players into their forward pack and have done quite well from that perspective. Bryce Cartwright... Great year. Wiramu Greg came in and, and did a job when he wasn't hurt. And obviously, Jermaine Hopgood played an outstanding mm. year. I don't think the people that we brought in to replace those forwards were the issue. Uh, we had some significant issues with injury. Sean Lane played very few games this year. Yep. Obviously, Mitch Moses, um, Reg, Wiramu Greg, the like. But uh, one of the big things, well, there were, there were two key things. Uh, number one, um, Lots of suspensions, stuff that was avoidable and for multiple weeks. Obviously, Matto, we spoke about at the beginning mm. of the year. Yep. Um, didn't need to be there. Uh, Reg dropping the knee. Um, yep. And look- he obviously had a, a fair stint 
prior to Origin off with his groin injury, was it? Yeah, so yeah. He, he probably played maybe uh, two rounds out of about um, mm. 13 or 14 rounds. So so that stung a lot, and it meant lots of players, your um, Makatezi, Makatoa, Offahiki Ogden, etc., who are fine backups, are playing eight, nine, ten games yeah. in a row. And, probably and often Gowie came in. Joe O came in and did his calf in the first week, mm. and so he was um, he was struggling a bit. So, yeah, we, we struggled from that perspective to get our forward pack and our best pack on the field. I, I don't actually think our best 17 have played a single game together all year. So there has mm. been at least one player out, and that's without a season-ending injury. So that's pretty... Um, that's pretty significant. But the other issue is I, I believe our outside backs, no, excluding Gutho, uh, who's at the back, but our back four, Sivo, Bailey Simonson, Will Penasini and Sean Russell, those back four are probably the 10th or 11th best back four in the competition. Mm. And they haven't played that many games together because we've had injuries as well. They need to yeah. get some depth. They need to get this... X factor that they've been talking about. Where where does it come from? Well, you know, where does it come? If you want X factor, you you got to pay for it. You do, unless have you're bringing it through. And yeah, yeah. So that bringing it through, apparently there is a good crop of youngsters who are coming through. Will Penasini's brother, some I believe his name's Blaze Tawalangi. Mm. Very so, highly touted. Look, I'm not going to let you go away. So, what is Will Penasini's brother? Name Richard Penasini, yeah, okay, Dick Penis. <laughs> e. That's that's it, mate. That's it. <laughs> so, mate, you look at Penrith's model. Um, four, three years ago, when they started playing well, Josh Mansour on the wing, mm. he goes, Tylan May comes in, he's injured. We had Charlie Staines, Charlie Staines, that. um, yeah. uh, then, um, uh, uh Brian Toho came in at the same time as, um, well, basically really came of age in 2020 when he was about 20 years old or something yeah. like that. Uh, Taruva this year. Uh, so Taruva's not a winger no. either. Yeah, he's a fullback, isn't he? Yeah. So I, I, I mean, love to get hold of him. Yeah, and I mean, you look at um, even Jenkins coming in on the weekend. Jenkins is a, he's a baller. Yeah. Um, you know, so there is depth there um, at the Panthers. But I, I think from if you're going to use the Panthers as an example of managing a roster and what success will do for you, and, um, you know, the with Dane Laurie re-signing at the Panthers, it really shows Tyrone Peachy coming back to the Panthers. It shows what success does with players who may have gone elsewhere because they had to financially, which is completely understandable to yep. take on a contract. But when they've got to the point where that move hasn't worked for them, where do they go? Mm. And they've gone back. You yep. know, for me as a fan, I, I mean, I love that. I don't... You know, go, oh, boo-hoo, you left us and now look at you come crawling back. I go, no, you want to come back because the system and the organisation is what is drawing you back. And for me, that's – I couldn't ask for more as a fan. 100%. So, yeah, that's where Paramount would need to focus their recruitment over the off-season should they be able to land anyone. But unfortunately, they need at least two good players – to bring into that back line and, and where do you get them from? It's it's very hard. Mm. The Panthers have sus sustained success because if you look at Parramatta at the moment, like 
Dylan Brown and uh, Will Penasini and Sean Russell are the only players in that team who are Parramatta all the way through. Yes, Junior was a Parramatta Junior, but he spent two or three years in Canberra. Ryan Madison, a few years over the Roosters and a year at the West Tigers. Um, and then you've got a couple of others as well who mm. did. I think there's one other who did something similar. But that's it. But, but Edwards, it? Toho, T- uh, Targo, Cleary, Luai, um, Crichton, they're, they're all Penrith juniors. But, like, in, but in the age of the we're in at the moment, like that, it's different from recruitment to keeping, you know what yeah. I mean? So these players, players will still move on, but you, you've got to keep bringing the next crop through. Yeah. I mean, that's how you regenerate your stocks, you know, whereas often we sit back and we look at it and we go, oh, well, you know, where can we recruit from? It's like, well, no, you need to be bringing your next players through. So you're going to be looking at this next crop that you've mentioned earlier yep. to come through and actually be that change as yep. opposed to trying to recruit from elsewhere. So, you know, they've talked about and we've we've taken the piss out of it enough about the need for X factor. Yep. That X factor's got to come through your crop yeah, and it has the potential to do that. Yeah, and it won't come quick enough for Parramatta fans. Like it's um, it Brad Arthur's done really well. He's two hundred and fifty games uh, over two hundred and fifty games at Parramatta now, the longest serving coach, and he's done really well. And what he is great at is identifying talent at other clubs, particularly forwards, who have lots of potential, and he brings them in and molds them in a very good first grade. It's just Sean Lane um, is one example. Uh, Ryan Madison's become better since he's been at the club. Isaiah Papali, he was a really good example of players that he has got form for doing that with. But over his tenure at Parramatta, he has not been particularly good at bringing juniors through to first grade. And I know that perhaps he hasn't been in charge of these junior pathway systems, but it's still his responsibility at some point to identify kids and say, hey, you, you're with me. Mm. Come with me and come through. And he doesn't have a proven track record of doing that. Now, Nathan Brown's been at the club 12 months. He's been in charge of, first of all, diagnosing our issues with um, uh, junior pathways and then implementing systems to, to make them more fluid and, and make mm. them move through to the seniors. But whether that'll happen or not, um, I don't know. Whether it'll happen quickly enough, I do know. And it won't. Mm. Well, there you go, right? Anyway, mate, so uh, just, that, that, uh, that's my uh, abridged version of the what's wrong with Parramatta. <laughs> that was actually a match of the round. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, mate. I've got to no, just... no, I, I, I allowed you to unload there. I had, you know, the Cowboys and Sharks. It wasn't for me, so I, I, I think we've got, uh, yeah, we got the, the win on that uh, match of the round, mate. Um, the Chooks. Yep. I mean, they're, they're rocks and diamonds, mate. They're yep. absolutely rocks and diamonds, and I think... Uh, as a Parramatta fan, if you're going to take any sort of positive out of that, is they just, you know, they were able to expose the, you know, there are some issues there, and and you as a club leader or your club leading into the off season need to need to, you know, work on strategies to to get after it, combat those issues, certainly do. Uh, all right, mate, what do we got for some discussion points? Tavita Pangai Junior, big news over the course of last week. Yeah, obviously that was a last week. News topic, yep. um, and rugby league moves pretty fast, but I thought it was pretty interesting. I, I heard Gus speak about it on his podcast about how it all occurred, and, I mean, it's no surprise, really. I mean, it wasn't, 
you know, yeah, it happened quick, but, you know, the fact we, we've spoken about it when we talked about the fight sports and boxing and George Rose doing wonderful things with giving the the footy fight nights and giving players an opportunity to box and enjoy it. But, you know, Pangai Jr., just, yeah, he's obviously, you know, this is a different adventure that he'd like to go on. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'll tune in. Yeah, good on you, mate. And it, it is pretty brave going away from the relative security that he had in the NRL to try something new, put his mm. put his face out there. People are going to want him to – it probably sounds a bit rough, but there will be people out there who probably want him to fail. Yeah. And so, bravo. Yeah. Um, Gus spoke about it like um, apparently he he has – and this is on his, his podcast, Six Tackles with Gus – he has – struggled with expectation and you know that idea of him taking such a large chunk of salary cap space and the pressure that that put on him so yeah apparently that was all a part of the decision making as well so yeah right mm. um what else we got mate uh ryan ryan pappenhausen mate uh, he, back. he had the week yeah. off last week yeah, so apparently copped a knock at training. I'm not. Mm. We didn't really hear too much more about that. Hope it wasn't a concussion issue because he's had some issues with that in the past. Yeah. But uh, good luck to to Pappy. Like you know, mm. I, I can't say I love Melbourne. I want Melbourne to go on a run and win the comp. No, but another Parramatta junior. Yeah, another Parramatta doing junior. Well. Doing well. <laughs> didn't identify him, did you? He'd have been. That sounds like X factor to me. Yeah, that was our team of the week last week. The Kellyville Bush Rangers. Uh, I believe that's a that's a Pappenhausen junior club. And uh, yeah, so he, he's uh, he's been named to return. I think he might be on the extended bench at this stage, but mm. I, uh, they're tipping him to make his return. And I'd imagine he'll come be in the 14 and then they might get him on for 10, 15 minutes or something like that. I think if you're being realistic, though, you just want to get him used to a bit of contact and get yeah. another really good preseason into him. Knock on wood. Yeah. And uh, hopefully no more injuries because you... you while I got no love for Melbourne, as I've uh, um, alluded to or blatantly said a number of times, yep. um, you don't like to see injuries like that. No, that was a bad one. Yeah. Um, uh, the double down, mate. The double down. The Give double down me. on uh, look, refs doubling down on their fuck ups, mate. Oh, mate, they don't now, want to do they? You've obviously identified Sevo getting penalised and Charles Nickel Clock said not, um, and it being a roll of the dice thing. Like, I mean, Sevo's one was a. That was a joke. It's an absolute joke. You know, I, and obviously I don't... For our listeners who didn't see it, his arm was literally by his side. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like he was playing centre-back yeah. for Brighton and Hove Albion and he was trying not to give away a handball. Yeah, it was just... It was tucked away yeah. and James Tedesco literally tripped into his arm. I, I don't know what he could have done for that to be penalised. He could have been not been Mike Acevo. Oh, I mean, it's it's almost getting to that point where Sevo has this reputation. He's copped a couple of suspensions now, and it's almost like it was Sevo. It's obviously a clumsy effort. I could almost tolerate that more than what worries me. It's just they just oh, he's hit him in the head. We have to penalise yeah. that. Oh, like it is a contact sport, and there will be accidents th- that happen. It's it's just. That was an accident and through no foul play or carelessness of Sevo at all. So I don't see how it can be a penalty. So moving on to Charles Nickel Clockstat, yep. that was a big call because that was essentially the game. It was, yeah. 
what what's your thoughts on that not being given a penalty? Okay, so to the letter of the law, it's not a penalty because you are allowed to tackle somebody um, in the air after the ball has bounced. Mm. So to the letter of the law, it yeah. is not a penalty. The problem is it is inconsistent with what we've seen. That's exactly right, yeah. And that inconsistency proves incredibly frustrating. Mm. I'm going to take you all the way back to about round five this year, and we towed this up on the podcast. Marty Tapau was penalised for the Broncos. For uh, a knee to the head. For a knee to the head mm. when he was running through going to catch a bomb and Jordan Rappenau from Canberra Raiders caught the ball and dropped to the ground, essentially mm. throwing himself on the ground in front of Marty Tapau's knees. And the penalty was you did not um, show due care for the player. Yeah. And I was blowing up at about at the time. That's the most ridiculous thing in the world. No, it's not. The most ridiculous thing is having that in place and then not being consistent about it. Yeah. Because Ruben Garrick has sustained a back injury because his legs, while he was high in the air, were deliberately hit and knocked out from under him and he landed flush it was, on his It back. was a soft effort at the tackle, though, I must admit, in defence of Charles Nichols. Like I say, it was a one-arm sort of, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, but... And it, I- and I can live with that. Yeah. I can live with that. No, he wasn't trying to do that. He's trying to wrap. He's just bumped it. It was bad timing. I can. It's a contact sport. I can live with it. But I can't understand how they penalise something like well, it's inconsistent. Powers. Yeah, that's the that's the frustrating yeah. thing for so, me. So, so Seabold was absolutely furious. He was seething at the end of the game, and I I think understandably so. I I was watching his press conference, and I'm going, I can see why you're pissed. Absolutely. However. As somebody who tipped the Warriors, you know, and it might be me just sitting here going, oh, well, I tipped them, so it worked out for me. But let's not hide from the fact that there was a clear forward pass mm. that led to a manly oh, try. Oh, that was just, yeah. You know, like, so you're going, was that in every other case this year without a game on the line a penalty on Ruben Garrick? Absolutely. But then you're going, oh, but far out. If they had have won the game, they would have gone back to a clear forward pass. Like, yeah, it was a shocker. You know, why are they getting those so wrong? And, I mean, we've bashed our heads against a brick wall around bringing in, you know, some sort of – or just even ruling on obvious ones through the bunker. Like, yeah. But it was just – so at the end of the day, you could go, oh, well, Seabold shouldn't be upset because they shouldn't have won the game anyway because that wasn't a try, it was a forward pass. But then on the flip side, you go, yeah, absolutely he should be upset because it's completely inconsistent with what they're seeing. Yeah. Mm. You know, and basically the refs need to be better. They do. You know, we yes, they, they are the best in the game, they do the best possible job at times, but, you know, this is just... This is a piss take now. Yeah, it's the ones that are pretty common sense mm. that, that do your head in. And, and, and that inconsistency, that's absolutely um, – that, that that's killing us. But, yeah, so, you know, those are some fairly – I feel like we, we keep coming back to this same discussion point, don't we? And, we, and it's around consistency and it, it's, not, it's not getting any better. But I see – so – Every now and again, I'll be around at my folks' place. Mum will be sitting there watching the footy with us. Not a football fan. Mm. But she sits there and she sees something and goes, that's a forward pass. Yeah. 
it's just like, well, how is that happening? And the referee or the touchy are missing it. It's that obvious that someone who is not a game in, game out, week in, week out, season in, season out fan, able to look at something and go, oh, that's a forward pass. Yet the experts look at it and go, Oh, we yuck. can't we can't rule on can't that. rule on that. That's yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's tough to swallow. It is, mate. Mate, with the footy, let's move into next week. We have got the battle of the West: Penrith Ooh. versus Parramatta. Um, yeah, I I got grave fears for Parramatta going into that game, but um, like you know, it, it we is a we we spoke about Parramatta and their plight at the moment, but far out. If you go all the way back to the first match they played this year, oh, like yeah, it it is it has been. Yeah, it really highlights the the shortcomings. That that a hundred percent like that that for a team that's able to match it with Penrith, like I really feel when played us off the park in that game. Yeah, I, I feel like when they're at their best, they're 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 one of the few teams over the last few years have been able to battle it with Penrith, uh, albeit not in uh, not in big games when Penrith are at their absolute best. But you know, I'm I guess I am a little bit hopeful that that rivalry will. Spark something in Parramatta, and even if this is our last game of the year, because we got the buy in the last round, it, it might be a, a great contest to finish it off. Yeah, well, I hope they've packed it in for the season, to be honest. <laughs> I bet you do. So you can win another premiership. Just uh, a minor one at the moment. Yeah, mate. Um, you know, I'm um, I'm in full sook mode at the moment. I don't care about anyone else's fairy tale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Warriors versus the Dragons over there. I mean. Warriors haven't been all that impressive and Dragons are showing glimpses. I'm tipping the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Redcliffe versus the Cowboys uh, in the last game of the Queensland Cup this year. Can Ooh. I say that? I'm saying it. Um, Storm versus the Titans. Now, that could be a really interesting Good one because uh, the Titans have been showing a bit uh, of late. The losing Campbell will be a loss, but AJ Brimson, mm. uh, if there, should be playing well. The Roosters versus the Tigers. The Raiders versus the Broncos. That's going to be an interesting one. Both of them should be in the semifinals, and the Raiders did beat the Broncos up in uh, Suncorp earlier this year. Mm. The Doggies versus Manly. Uh, the Knights versus Sharks. Now, the Knights versus Sharks is actually my predicted match of the round. Sharks have had a nice return of form lately, and the Knights have been absolutely on fire. So winning games. I, yeah. I reckon that could be. A, I reckon that could be a cracker. And. Believe it or not, the Knights are actually an outside chance to make the top four still. Like, mm, that's yeah. unbelievable, isn't it? Well, I mean, I've gone for the Raiders Broncos, um, purely at being down in Canberra. Um, you know, it's obviously not the, the brutally cold Canberra um, that is midwinter, but, you know, it's going to be a tough away trip for the Broncos. And, um, you know, Canberra will have to play a lot better than they played last week. Mm. But um, being at home, I, th- I think it'll be a good game. Yep. You know what Canberra's going to do. They're going to try and um, bash them up through the middle and see if the Broncos forwards are up for it. If they are, I think they'll be too good. But that mm. could be a cracker. Yep. Broncos keep keeping on, though. So, I mean, they, they haven't put a foot wrong in, you know, in a good six months. No, and, and, they, and they've had that sort of a season that you need as well sometimes where, where you just get a bit of luck for your way. And you never know whether you've had a lucky season or not until you finish up. But they haven't had key injuries so far, so hopefully for their sake it continues. Um, a lot of their players have really come on and played really well. Although Adam Reynolds is out this weekend now, I think about it. He's, he's done a calf, so re- reportedly he won't play. So yeah, Well, I mean, as someone who ran a Gold Coast Marathon with a 
calf injury, mate. Can you just have a word to him? Mate. Tell him he, he needs to just get out there and tough it out. Tough it out, mate. I haven't been able to walk properly for the last eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> tough it out. Tough it out. Mm. Oh, mate. Should we uh, jump into uh, stream of the week? Stream of the week, mate. So you you threw it out there. Um, I I actually hadn't seen it on the on the library, but. Um, Furies, mate. Mate, so I knew it would be your your cup of tea because you've spoken about your love for um, reality TV and uh, yeah. and how that grabs you. And we, we all know you yeah. love the fight game and uh, immense respect for Tyson Fury. So I love Tyson Fury. He's, he's definitely my favourite boxer. As soon as I saw it, I was like, this is mm. Grego's. He's going to be keen as for that. Uh, so... Um, Jumped into it and I got to admit I didn't know anything uh, about the series and I thought it might be going to take us um, through a little bit about um, uh, boxing, but it but it jumped straight three weeks post retirement. Yeah, and to to him back home, uh, living his life with his family and, and guiding his way uh, into retirement. So, and, and the challenge that that he faced, um, yeah, like. There were some funny, funny, um, funny, funny things, and bizarre in it. It was absolutely bizarre. The thing that stood out to me was, um, I think it was in the, the the second episode, or it might have been in the first. He's been left in charge of the kids um, for a couple of hours, and he's just packed up the caravan on the school night and just gone five hundred meters up the road. No food, no change of clothes, nothing, and he's just camping out, going <laughs> camping with his trailer on, <laughs> and it looked like it was. Just a, a park or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that uh, I um look. Yeah. He um, I mean, I love Ric Flair. Woo. I love Tyson Fury. I mean, these guys provide me with entertainment, but I am definitely not looking to those who entertain me to help me with how I would parent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some things are just they are very different. Oh, okay, they are. You know. Rick Flair just wasn't there. Yeah. Tyson Fury just doesn't know what's happening around him. No. I think I I think in he he showed just as much love for his dog yeah. as he has for his family and the whole thing. Yeah. Isn't he's um it's yeah. bizarre. Isn't his old man a character as well? Yeah, yeah. and John Fury, I mean they are travellers, so yeah. it's legitimate. Like, and for anybody, uh, any of our listeners who have never lived in the UK or you know spent a, a significant amount of time in the UK, you probably may or may not understand the concept of travellers, but it is very real. Like, they are travellers or gypsies who go around and, you know, it's like Snatch, the movie Snatch. They live in caravans, they they move around and that is their culture. That is, and, you know, when you go into the, the show, they talk about the daughter, it's Venezuela. Yeah. She's 11, so she doesn't go to school anymore. Yeah. Because she's a traveller. That's what they do in the traveller culture. Like it's, yeah, and for, for people who have never heard of, or, you know, got the concept of what traveller lifestyle is, um, it, it can be sort of a bit bizarre where you go, oh, really? Like, it's, yeah, it's legitimately its own little subculture within the United Kingdom. Yeah. The traveller culture, yeah, it's it's crazy. But, um, you know, the christening dip out was a pisser. Oh, that was <laughs> you know? unbelievable. So, so Tyson Fury, they, they throw a christening. Uh, Spent... Heaps for of Athena, money oh, yeah. is it Athena, the, yeah, the, yeah, the little so. daughter? Yeah, so they they just and they no stone unturned with with the you know they've they've got cash obviously, 
But um, and he holds no value on on money either, which is hilarious yeah. as well. Um, and yeah, and obviously Tyson Fury has had his mental health issues. He's he's well you know, documented. It's well documented. But he just halfway through the christening, he just goes, "You know what? I've had enough of this." Yeah. And he just goes, "Oh, I'm going." And yeah. they're all like, "Where are you going? Like you're I'm at the christening." The he goes, "I've got to go walk the dog." And they're like, "Well, what are you doing that for?" He goes, "Well, nobody else is going to walk the dog." Yeah. It was <laughs> and just, he, just, it was, he just dips out. Yeah, it was, but it was like spur of a mo- yeah. spur of the moment. So I was doing a little bit of reading about it, and apparently, about oh three weeks in of filming as well, he's tried to do the same thing. He said. No, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. And yeah. Netflix has said, oh, no. <laughs> well, you can't be out. <laughs> you can't be out. That's not how this rolls. Yeah. And um, he's uh, he's obviously stayed in and he came around as well. But, you know, it was um, it was, it was was interesting from that point of view. But as you said, just absolutely just insane. Uh, his brother, Tommy. Tommy Fury mm, yeah. in it as well with Molly May. He's uh, yeah, so the uh, Love Island, yeah, yeah. Uh, the couple, yeah. yeah. So and that was it. Also, too, uh, you know, gave you especially, and I'm only a couple of episodes in, so yeah. I haven't, I haven't done the whole series. It also gets into where Molly May's not a traveler, so she's the first yeah. non-traveler partner to come into the Fury family, and it that further sort of solidifies that idea that it is a different culture because she's like, oh, well, I want to do these things for, you know, our child and that sort of upbringing. Tommy's like, oh, no, no, we're travellers. We do it this way. And yeah. It's, yeah, it'll be interesting to sort of see how that plays out over the rest of the series. Yeah, it will be. Uh, it will be um, just just quickly, uh, uh, John Fury, he was a pro boxer as well, wasn't he? He was a pro boxer. He wasn't obviously a decorated boxer no. like Tyson, um, but, I, I mean, he would have. I mean, he would have had his fair share, few scraps back in the day. I think he's uh, served time in jail. Yeah, he's suggesting there were a few fights off the books. Definitely, yeah. absolutely. I'm not even suggesting that. I'm basically going out there on a limb and saying, yes, I'll put my house on it. <laughs> um, yeah, because he had a he had a scrap, which he ended up in jail because I I I it was an assault charge. Yeah. But it, it was over, I think it was over a dispute that had been going on for, for decades. <laughs> so it was like a good old-fashioned subplot to Snatch where it was just like, oh, we, you didn't pay me for that caravan yeah. and I'll bite your face off. <laughs> it was, yeah. So, I mean, it's a, they're different characters. Um, it was sort of of that keeping up with the Kardashian style. Yeah. Um, you know, which was interesting, but I'll be, yeah, it was, I mean, it's, it's so bizarre. Like the fact that. That's how bizarre is the best word to describe yeah. it. It's just like. He, like he drives a Passat. Yeah, he does. It's he's got, a, he's got Lamborghinis. He's got all the best cars. And then he's dropping the kids off in a Volkswagen Passat. Yeah. And they're just like, why do you drive this? He goes, because I hate to be noticed. He goes, so nobody, look. even if I'm driving down here in a Lamborghini, everybody's look at the Lambo. Oh, yeah. who's that in that? He goes, I drive in my 500-pound Passat. Yeah. And, you know, oh, it's so funny. Oh, and like what you said about the money, though, it, you honestly get the impression with him, like if the millions and millions and millions of dollars that they have, if that just clicked and vanished overnight, he'd be like, oh, Oh, geez, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. like it's, it's as if he wouldn't, like, it's as if he genuinely wouldn't lose sleep over it. Just, oh, yeah, righto. Yeah. I'll just go back to, you know, living living this lifestyle, no, no stress, no no worries about that. Like stress about other things, but not worried about that. 
So if you were to go back into the parenting game, mate, would you be taking any tips for baby names off the Furies? <laughs> oh, I can't say I would say. So oh, I mean, it's... Athena... It's, Adonis. So um, oldest is Prince. 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 And Prince does not care about anything boxing. <laughs> <laughs> Prince, Prince, not care. Prince has got no interest oh. in anything boxing. And Prince also tells his parents to, you know, to fuck off every now and then as well. Like it is outrageous how he carries on. That just off Tyson's back. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Venezuela. Valencia, because I kept getting them to mixed yeah, up. Yeah. Um, Tyson Junior. Tyson and they Jr. call him Tootie. Yeah. And then uh, Adonis, Adonis, and Adonis is off his chops. Yeah. I mean, he is a, a an infant who is addicted to soft drink, as we noticed in the early episodes. But I, I think that's the lot, isn't it? And then Athena is the youngest. Yeah. So. Um uh, I, I'm just checking uh, a website and Tyson is father to Valencia, Prince John James, Prince Tyson II, Valencia, Prince Adonis Amazar and Athena. Yeah. So. I, I shan't be taking tips. <laughs> no, I'm not going down that road, mate. Oh, oh. Anyway, mate. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. It was a strange one for me. If someone said, oh. Did you love it? Do you have to watch it? I'd be like, it's worth giving a watch. <laughs> it's, it's pretty. It's but it's bizarre. I couldn't say I loved it. Yeah, but it was it was bizarre, and I did find it interesting. And there were certain stages where I was like, I've got to see how this yeah. goes. What about he? Did you get out the part where he just goes to Iceland? Yeah, just goes <laughs> to Iceland. It's unbelievable. He just goes to Iceland to try and call out Thor. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets there and he rings Thor's manager. He's like, oh, no, he's filming an ad in Rome. Yeah. He's <laughs> not even here, so he's stuck in Iceland. And he can't believe it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, absolute, absolute. And it was, like, it was like two days after he was going to have a little trip to Pompeii. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then when he... Going to Pompeii, Paris gets the shits. His wife, he goes, "Oh, you can't go, you can't go to Pompeii without me." And then he tells his dad that the flights were cancelled. <laughs> and do you see the part where he tries to tell Paris that he wants to buy Birmingham Airport? Oh yes, <laughs> yes. I need an airport. Why? <laughs> oh, oh, it is classic. Ripper, so ripper. check it out at home with the furies on netflix it's it's a ripper and since we've mentioned it a couple of times if you haven't checked out snatch <laughs> snatch snatch is a ripper that is an absolute further we might even do that one week Rico. oh mate yeah, yeah we can always dig out the the old classics all right mate all right so all right. a bit of football chat mate let's get into the football Radio potty football chat. Let's Let's what's on. been happening, mate? Obviously, um, we're in mourning. Yeah, we're in we mourning. are. We we're are. a bit in mourning um, due to the Matildas, but we've been cheered up because we've got some guests again this week. We do, we do. Cozzy, Berta, welcome. We got the double team. We got the double team back. How yeah. are we, fellas? Yeah, good. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me once again. How are you, Cozzy? 
Um, good, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, thanks for getting me back on board again. Uh, it was. Um, it really was. It wasn't our choice. It was. It was demanded by the fans. Absolute demand. Cosy on or we're not listening anymore. Yeah, I mean, and it's you know we love our listeners and we we will cater to them. We do, we do. Uh, boys, the the World Cup, as um, Grego alluded to, this time a week ago, we were all fairly excited, but um, you know, not quite, not quite for the Tillies. Still very proud mm. though. I mean, the public holiday. The public holiday. The, it's gone to shit. Yeah. <laughs> gutted, gutted over the public holiday. What what do we think, boys? What do we think of the Tillies? So, well, I'll jump in there. I, I think they've done really, really well. Um, I think fourth place, I was looking at it before the tournament, um, a semi-final, even though they lost, would be a credible sort of pass mark. Um, you know, in the world rankings, we are down around 10 or 11. So to be in the top four in the world, I think that's a, a great achievement myself. Mm. We've made the top four. That's uh yeah that's a that's a positive outlook that's glass half full yeah oh, the I, top four I agree mate well done and, and Berta what do you think mate Sammy Kerr's goal oh mm. in the semi oh. that was something special mate Lionel Messi would have been proud of that one that that stayed hit that thing but um yeah it was it was great to see the girls get as as far as we obviously disappointed that we couldn't go all the way but um credit to England they they had a great game plan and. Uh, they held us. They held us pretty well, but um, going forward, I think Australian soccer in Australia for for women is is just at a, a massive leap forward for this, and we'll be the better for it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What about what about the eventual winners? The final? Did we catch the final, boys? Greg, did you catch the final? Uh, I caught the final only just to see how my prediction of Spain's success would go. And also, too, I wanted to see if they were successful, whether they'd all just turn on the coach. Because, um, you know, for those who haven't been in the know, it obviously hasn't been the most, uh, you know, I mean, the most happy camp over the, the duration of this World Cup. Obviously, leading into it, there's a fair bit of controversy around the coach and a, a number of their superstar players who actually just, you know, said they weren't coming and, and had withdrawn from the squad. So... I was actually, uh, yeah, I was pretty interested if they were successful. I, I thought, you know, if the Lionesses uh, had a got up, I, I would have been pretty happy with that because I know they were they were frothing for it over in the UK. So, but um, yeah, I mean, worthy winners. They were worthy winners, but um, obviously the adversity that they had on the way to the way to the final was pretty impressive that they got the chocolates. Mm, without mm. a doubt, without a I doubt. Can I just ask um, the boys your opinion? Um, of course, Spain, when we looked into the stands, had a bit of royalty there in attendance watching the game, the final, whereas England didn't. Do you think that uh, played on the players a little bit and their supporters? Well, Cosy, you're almost jumping straight to my penis of the week. Um, so that, that'll that come <laughs> later on in the podcast. But, um, yes, there was obviously a bit of debate about uh, about, uh, about royalty not being present and, and royalty only reaching out uh, in the form of a tweet uh, for the for the lionesses. So, yeah, but I'll get into that a bit in a bit deeper down the track, but yeah. um, it could have been the difference. Yeah, it I'm may not well ruling it out. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I like it. Yeah. yeah, the fantastic part was about the Lionesses losing is the absolute despair and disappointment of Piers Morgan. So, oh, yeah, tears for Piers. Tears for Piers. It's I, I mean, devastated it's, it's... that uh, 
he didn't send a tweet out with absolutely no uh, no information behind it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, um, Arsenal had a win on the weekend, so that might have just you know, tidied him over. Might have kept him, kept him going. <laughs> kept him chipper. Kept him chipper. Um, boys, I'm, I'm going to have to, like, you guys have absolutely slaughtered me about my prediction of Erling Haaland. I mean, let's not let the fans forget that you guys have just, you have roasted me. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I called Salma Celeste Paraguayo. I said she was the, you know, she was a gun. She was the next big thing and she performed. Mm. Yeah, mate. Well, we did give it to you. There's no doubt about that. And, mm. uh, yeah. So I think all is forgiven now. Would you agree? No. No, definitely not. Boys? So um, so what are we saying? That the prediction of Spain's best player and captain and goal scorer was a out there prediction? Is that what you're claiming, Gregor? That, you know, nobody saw that coming? Is that well, what I- I'm believing? I'm not Nostradamus. I'm not claiming that I've got some sort of, uh, you know, medium skills or, you know, any anything out of this world. But I'm just saying that the slack that you lot absolutely heave at me about my comments on Erling Haaland, I, I just want you to ease up a little, lads, eh? What do you think, Bernard? <laughs> All right. Every, every now and again you get one right. Yeah. Predicted <laughs> the best player to play, play, play the best in, in the world. Well done. Oh, I, I, I guess this is going to continue. I think so. I think so. Rightio. Speaking of continue, the World Cup is done and dusted and mm. the show goes on. Transfer, boys. What's happened in the transfer world this week? Grego, something interesting you? Mate, I'm going to jump in because I, I know I spoke about this. It was We led into it with our Premier League special, but um, Harry Maguire to West Ham, it's gone cold. Um I was actually listening to um, Andy Mitten talk on the um, on the uh, Talk of the Devils podcast through the Athletic, and you know it was pretty interesting what he said. He's of the opinion that United never gave; they agreed a fee, but they never gave permission for Harry Maguire to talk to West Ham. So, contrary to a lot of the reports going around that it was, you know, they were discussing terms and it was looking likely he was going apparently it wasn't even anywhere near it so which is but i i thought you know it did it didn't necessarily make sense from you know what the media reporting was going around but you know apparently he's there and he's it looks like he's going to be the fourth or fifth choice center back this season which is mm, yeah a bit unusual but still time in the window Mm. yeah there you go. Uh, I uh, I believe I read somewhere that they got a uh, got their hands on Harry Maguire's highlights video, and that, that just wrecked the deal. It just fell through <laughs> after that. Well, considering um, David Moyes had the champions when he signed as the chosen one for Manchester United, and he you know mustered up Marouane Fellaini in one transfer window, it tells me that he hasn't got the best reputation when it comes to signing people. So, I mean, I wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be to letting David Moyes and the wonderful West Ham getting off too easy on that one. Oh, yep. Old David Moyes. It all went downhill from him after he left the Toffees. Oh, he's, he's Everton royalty. <laughs> he is Everton royalty, mate. <laughs> Ten years at the Toffee. Toffees went over to United. Didn't know what the checkbook was in the top drawer, and that was the end of him. Mate, so... And so's Marianne Fellaini as well, isn't he? Ah, uh, he had the best elbows in the game. <laughs> <laughs> There's no denying that. Um, so, boys, Cancelo to Barca. I mean, that's a no-brainer, really. That seems, though, it's still to be confirmed, but they, they reckon that's where it's headed. I, I mean, he fell out with Pep 
uh, before his loan move to Bayern Munich in January. So, I mean, that was appears as though it was a no-brainer. David Raya, he's gone to Arsenal. That's a done deal, Cosy. Can you confirm that one? Yeah, he sat on the bench on uh, this morning in the, in the overnight game against Palace. Didn't get called upon, I think. Mm. Um, he was pretty safe there. Uh, Ramsdale looked pretty good between the sticks. He had a couple of uh, loose moments, but um, I think he'll hold his spot for a little bit longer. Mm. So a, a couple of Saudi moves. Um, Laporte, uh, Americ. Laporte, he's obviously, he's only still young. I mean, he's going to Al Nasser, where Ronaldo plays, um, which is an interesting move. Uh, Mitrovic, he's off to Al Hilal. Um, obviously, it makes sense now with Fulham signing Jimenez over the off-season. There was probably, obviously, a sniff that Mitrovic wanted to force his way out of the club. That uh, appears to be when uh, Marco Silva spoke on the weekend, it appears to be Mitrovic has, uh, has driven that move. Um, Endo, Berta, you'll like this one. Endo replaces Hendo. Doesn't get any better than that. The 30-year-old Japanese ageless wonder to Liverpool to solve all our problems. I am happy. Mate, you called for it. I mean, you've been talking... It's like you've been telepathically speaking with, uh, with the Fenway Sports Group through this podcast medium. Well, they listen to the show. I'm telling you, they listen to the show every... Thing that happens is a day or two later, and they start to act upon it. I mean, it is a powerful movement. Mm. And and Cosy, to jump over to you, mate. This one's a good news story, I think. And I think anybody who who has a heart and loves football will like this story. Sandy Carzola, he's returning to Real Oviedo, which is a it's a good news story considering the the horrific injury he had whilst he was at Arsenal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, like. Um, you know, he's returned to Spain with Villarreal, I believe it was. You know, that was a fairy tale to come back there. Uh, I, I would love to see him come back and manage Arsenal one day. Like, he, he's a real fan favourite, that guy. You'd have too many, though. you got Paddy Vieira. You just want him to come back and manage you. I mean, who else? Uh, Thierry Henry, he could walk in and manage you at any stage. you got to pick one. Well, Thierry's just too down. Yeah, Thierry's just picked up the uh, uh, France under-21 job, so he'll, he'll be busy for a little while. But, I mean, you can add Burkamp, you can add Perez, like Perez, you can add so many superstars to the Arsenal roster. Like, we could go on all night and night, Greg. Don't get me started. Yeah, and yeah, we would lose don't. all the listeners. That, that <laughs> Um, no, Cosie, look, in, in the Fair Dingham department, I'll jump back with you. You you mentioned Santi Carzola going to Villarreal. Now, for any of the fans out there who are listening who, you know, are uncertain of, you know, and we've spoken about the beauty of the player unveil, you know, how it's it's gravitated almost towards this, you know, little social media clip that went out there. But have you seen the one where Santi Carzola was brought in by the magician? No, I don't think I have. You've oh, got in the box. In the box, yeah. So he's in, and they've got the smoke in the box. The magician jumps in. The magician disappears, and Santi Carzola appears. It's fantastic. I, if you if you're out, I do there, remember that. I, I do recall something, but um, I mean, it's Spain, mate. They, they do things differently over there. That's for sure. So uh, all our listeners at home, if you want to jump on the YouTube, you know where to get that. Uh, Santi Carzola's unveiling at Villarreal. Um, yeah, so it's it's a ripper. Beautiful, beautiful. And we had one more. Neymar to Al Hilal. 
Now, I'm going to fall, I'm going to hand pass this one over to Berta because Berta's got the inside scoop on what actually got the job done and got the deal over the line for uh, Neymar to go to Al Hilal. An apparent list of demands. Apparently. What do you got, Berta? Oh, look, Greg, just just to name a few, the the great Neymar had decided uh, that he'd want a house with 25 bedrooms, a 40 by 10 metre swimming pool with three saunas. Uh, five full-time staff members for the house, a Bentley, an Aston Martin, a Lamborghini, a 24-hour driver for all those cars, um, all bills for hotels, restaurants, and various services on his off days to be paid for, uh, a private plane at his disposal for his travels, and 500,000 euros for each social media post that promotes Saudi Arabia, and all this just on top of a lazy 100 million euro pound a year's salary. So I think that's pretty reasonable. What do you think, boys? Yeah, I mean... It's a lot. It's, <laughs> you're crazy if you don't ask, aren't you? Well, I mean, that's that's usually the tactic is ask. Yeah. And, you know, if they come to the floor, you know, you're going to take it. You're not going to knock it back, are you? No, uh, and things, things might have panned out. He might have asked for more than that. Who knows? He could have asked for two or three times that amount, but that's what they gave him in the end. So that's a scary thought too. Mm. So it's weird though that he doesn't have three weeks off during Carnival. Well, I mean that's that that way. The, you would assume that's in contract. That was that's in writing. I mean that's he's been doing it for the last <laughs> decade anyway. Um, I'm I'm going to suggest. I, I, look, I'll throw it out there that you know, and I do love myself a Southeast Asian holiday. Now I'm going to suggest that Neymar's just gone the old Bali tactic. You know when you go to buy something in Bali and they just give you an outrageous price and expect you to knock it down? Mm. I reckon that's what he's done. He's just gone in there and said, look, this is what I got. And the Saudis are just like, oh, we don't do Bali bannering. Yeah, look. Asking um, you shall receive. A lot of crazy demands there. You know, this is probably a little bit weird, but you know the craziest demand I thought? Why a 40 by 10 metre swimming pool? Why Mm. not 50? I mean, that's just a bit strange for me. Well, so are you are yeah, you su- swim the whole lap. <laughs> well, are you suggesting that he pulls up short? Oh, well, that's certainly what it sounds like. <laughs> is this a, is this maybe a connection to his love life? Is <laughs> are we going to go the whole hog? <laughs> Just joining the dots here. Just joining the dots. <laughs> well, I would like to uh, throw out a uh, a question to you all, um, and I would put it as uh, is uh, Neymar the second biggest name at the club? So I want to throw this one to you. Uh, a 32-year-old goalkeeper that plays for Al-Hilal by the name of Bono. So oh. I'm just thinking, have, have they signed oh. the lead singer of U2 to play between the sticks? Now, that surely that he would challenge uh, Neymar for the number one player on their roster. Well, that certainly that would true. be the sweetest thing. Oh. <laughs> it would be, yeah, be an absolutely beautiful day if he was playing goalie. Oh, again. <laughs> well, I wow. wasn't, wasn't going to make any puns about the music. I was just going to suggest whether FIFA actually approves of yellow glasses when you're playing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Anyway, anyway. Righty, Lou, we should rip into the uh, the wrap of the week in the Premier League, lads. What do we got, Potty? Well, mate, the week that was, uh, match day two, uh, Forest 2-1 over Sheffield United. Fulham uh, went down to Brentford 3-0. Uh, Liverpool over Bournemouth 3-1. Uh, Brighton 
Uh, Birders specials. 4-1 over Wolves. Mate, he's... Mm. Uh, Spurs. Oh, mate. Uh, Ange ball. 2-0 over United. Uh, City. 1-0 over Newcastle. Uh, Villa. Oh. <laughs> 4 nil over Everton. And in a, in a canter and some pretty ordinary goals there. Uh, West Ham. 3-1 uh, over Chelsea. And uh, the Arsenal. Cozzy. 1-0 over Palace. So before yep. we before we go too far on the results, guys, I am plagiarising this. I'm taking it from someone else, but I thought it was absolutely fantastic. In Spain, we've got the El Clasico. In the Premier League now, we have the Oil Clasico. <laughs> Newcastle versus City, the Oil Clasico. How good is that? <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember where I got it, but I have stolen it from someone, so whoever... You know, coin that phrase. I, I I tip my hat to you, and I give you all the credit, even though I can't. Yep, well done, mate. The well oil classico. That was a ripper. Beauty, beauty. All right. So, uh, what do we think of the matches, boys? Any anything stood out for you? Berta, what do you got for me? Yeah, well, mate. Obviously, I focused on on the Anfield uh, first game at Anfield for the year, the Liverpool boys. Um, yeah, we looked we looked typically good in attack, shaky in defence, possibly losing one of our midfielders for a ridiculous refereeing decision. But that's a story for another day. I loved watching Brighton again. That machine's just cooking. They'll finish top four for sure. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, Villa and Everton. Everton, just, it's like they weren't even really there. Chelsea, you know, spent however many billions of dollars to lose to a... 3-1 to a 10 in West Ham. That's pretty funny. Um, and Brentford, they're cooking. We uh, we mentioned on the podcast they might be, uh, are they going to return to their ways of the past couple of seasons? But it's looking looking good so far for Brentford. So for the listeners out there, what we've decided to go, because now we've got some really, really esteemed guests, is we're going to go around the grounds and we're going to give each of us the headline of the week. Now, this is a headline that, you know, the publications around the world haven't put forth. This is our own creation, and we'll run from there. So, Berta, what is your headline of the week this week? All right, big, bold letters on the Tottenham newspaper. Ange ball in full flight. Is it too early to get excited? Um, Cosy, I'm going to jump straight to you as, a, as an Arsenal fan on this one. Uh, it's early days. It's early days. I think it's a fantastic achievement. From Ange and his boys, obviously that really pains me to say that. But uh, you know, I really rate Manchester United, even though they probably didn't play up to the ratings, preseason ratings in this match. I think uh, just catching the highlights, watching them play, I think Spurs were good for their win. Um, I think they really took it to uh, United. I think the fans were on board. I think it's a long season. Um, is it too early to call it? In full flight, I would say yes. We're, we're on the runway. We're warming up the engines, uh, Ange and his boys, um, but it's probably not quite in full flight yet. Um, when they get to the end of the runway and it's a bit icy and it's a bit cold in the middle of winter over there, we'll see how Ange is going. <laughs> yeah. But uh, at the moment, probably not full flight, but he's, uh, they're well on their way if they keep that up. Yeah, two games in, like very, very early. So I'll just jump in there, obviously, as a United supporter. Um, you know, I, I'll have to agree with you there, Cosy, in terms of the crowd getting behind um, behind Spurs. It was a it was a raucous atmosphere 
at the the new Tottenham Stadium. Um, you know, it was it was a pretty you know it was pretty impressive. However, I would sort of. I would ease away from... I, I think this is very, very synonymous with where United have been in pre-season. I think we've been quite poor. Um, the glaring holes in the side have that have been there through pre-season have been evident in the first two matches. And I and I think there's obviously... There is still time in the transfer window to, to make some adjustments and, and obviously move some players out who won't be there, but also maybe get some reinforcements, especially in that midfield area. But... Um, I think uh, the weekend's result was it was a good feeling result for Spurs, but it was also I think it was a real indication of where we are as a club at United. Mm. Right. Oh, what about you, Cosy? Headline of the week. So I came up with the following: Todd Bowley asks, "Did we keep the Casido receipt after a nightmare <laughs> debut?" <laughs> So it wasn't the debut that uh, Chelsea fans were hoping for. It was probably the debut that one Craig Burtwistle was hoping for. Um, <laughs> the, he doesn't hold a grudge. A couple of bang average midfielders playing a bang average game. <laughs> it was a bang average 30 minutes um, where he came on, um, obviously gave away the penalty and, and didn't really um, give uh, the viewers uh, or the fans of Chelsea much hope. But once again, early days, I mean, we're only talking about half an hour in. He's 21. Um, I, I could only imagine the stress and the strain that he's probably been going through in the past month, and, and that's probably more than Bird has been going through, if, if you could believe that. But, you know, all this <laughs> swing and throwing and backwards and forwards between managers, he's only human, and as I said, he's only 21. So that would have been, he would have been feeling it walking onto that pitch, that's mm. for sure. Yeah, I mean, anybody who is being courted by Liverpool would be under duress, I could imagine. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I would like to pose the question here to you guys. Uh, if you had the receipts from any players, you know, past, present from your club, who would you return to? Alexis uh, Sanchez, store? mate. Alexis Sanchez. If I had a bloody DeLorean, I would go back, I'd smash that piano. I can't answer the question. I can't remember the last player Toffee signed, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mine is, oh, mine's yeah. a recent one. And mine would have to be Nicolas Pepe. So mm. the money that's spent and the return yeah. on out, outlay. Yeah. I mean, I have jumped to that. I think if now I started to think about it, there. Oh, I mean, there's some bludgers. <laughs> what do you yeah. got, Berta? It has to be Andy Carroll, doesn't it? That was an absolute shocker. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I actually, just jummy in, you, you've led me down a rabbit hole. I, I listened to it to commentary on United missing out on Harry Kane. And I and I can't I can't for the life of me think it might have been Chris Sutton talking about it on the BBC and he was talking about how with United if they had have signed Harry Kane they were absolutely guaranteed and I apologise if I've got the comment wrong you're absolutely guaranteed to get the thirty goals whereas they've gone for Hoyland and you're not guaranteed that it's on you you're looking at, at talent and you know potential. However, people forget about Fernando Torres. Fernando Torres was phenomenal at Liverpool, but he was an absolute bust at Chelsea. And they signed him for 50, and that's how what led to you guys getting Andy Carroll. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, 
he's uh, I don't know that was that was laughable. But anyway, we um we're, we're signing players like Wataru Endo now, so it's obviously onwards and upwards. Well, you've upgraded from Hendo, mate. You've dropped an H. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about, what about you, Greg? What's your headline of the week? Well, mate? I mean, we're sticking in North London, unfortunately. But um, I, my headline of the week was Spurs fans turn up in numbers to watch Manchester United trial their new four one five formation in North London. <laughs> it was, mate, I it, between the Wolves match and um, which we were very lucky to get all, get away with a, a victory there because Anana decided to, you know, I mean, just clear out the whole box in one swift move. He's a, he's a big fella, but uh, how we didn't give away a penalty for that, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, obviously there's been, there's been glaring holes in the midfield in the first two matches, like, I mean, this, the amount of space that Casemiro's trying to to cover and he's finding himself getting caught quite a bit, on, especially on the on the counter, and I think that's why Spurs were so successful. Ange is really, you know, in transition, that's where they're going to be really good uh, under Ange, and, I mean, he had some early success, but I think United, we played into it, you know. We, we allowed them that, and the whole idea of Mason Mountain... Bruno Fernandez playing in the midfield next to Casemiro. I think they're they're both very advanced, and um, and even when you look at Christian Eriksen coming in as that extra additional player off the bench, he's he's a creative midfielder who plays in an attacking role. So I don't know. I think we need Donny's got to go. You know, I don't think Donny's got a future in the midfield at United. But you know, if we can get rid of you know Donny uh, McTominay could play, but even you know, having him in the squad is, is probably more handy. And bring in Sofra and Amrabat, that would that'd probably, I think, change things. But Eric Ten Hag did it the first two matches last year, had a bludger, made some final moves in the transfer window and it all came together. So I'm hoping it's it's a similar thing this year. What do you boys think? Greg, just a quick question to you. What do you make of uh, the, the social media hammering that Mason Mount's receiving like a, a mere two games into his tenure? Uh, none of my friends are talking about that sort of stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, I, I ignore that sort of stuff, but, and, and it's, you know, you, you know, yourself and, and Cozzy, you, you, all the, all the boys here, we, we'd know that you, you see some garbage on social media and, you know, and I mean, we, we do, we, we have a podcast, you know, with, with very little qualification but you know some of the the shit that gets dribbled out there on social media is is beyond me you know and i i would hope yeah. that i'd hope the players would pay as much attention as i do as a fellow fan and just not listen to is, that, is that is that backlash as a result of the way he's started his playing um at the moment like is it is it that bad in your opinion um no, I, I mean, I'm assuming that's probably what it is. But, I mean, if Eric Ten Hag wanted Mason Mount to the point where he was going to throw £60 million at Chelsea, who were going to lose him on a free a year later, I would say that Eric Ten Hag knows what he's doing more than I do as a fan. And I'd be willing to trust that he has a plan for Mason Mount. You know, obviously, enough, fan, yeah. fans can be impatient. But um, at the end of the day, I would, I would trust that he knows what he's doing. 
Fair enough. Just yeah, just interesting on the back of giving the the young guys a chance, like Cedo at uh, at Chelsea. Just seeing uh, thoughts on Mason Mount. Mm. Um, I mean, Casado. Going back to that comment there, I would, and I know this is probably this might be uh, against your sort of thoughts, Berta, but if anybody can remember Patrice Edvers' debut for Manchester United, I mean, he would. I mean, he's got to be arguably one of the best left backs in the Premier League era, Patrice Evra. It was the worst mm. debut ever, and he did all right. <laughs> so, I if yeah. you if you're a Chelsea fan and you and you yeah, looking for the receipts, as Cozzy's put it. Um, I, w- I would go back and watch a rerun of, uh, yeah, Patrice Evra's half a game debut. He was hooked at halftime against an awful Manchester City. This was pre-oil Manchester City. There you go, mate. Yeah, right. Yep. Well, boys. Um, what my, do you got for us, Potty? My headline, my headline of the week, nothing sweet about a toffee. Evidence pre-season fears becoming a reality. Talk to me, boys. It is horrible at the moment. That performance on the weekend was just... And nothing's going right. Dominic Calvin-Lewin makes his um, uh, makes his first appearance for the year off with a... Um, well, I don't think it is, but it was a suspected cha- a fractured cheekbone at the time. Mm. So, um, yeah, what's going on? Berta, what do you think, mate? I think you've got to look at the positives and that you'll absolutely have the nicest, most modern stadium in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I've got a sick feeling that that's, that's actually the what they're going I've for. Yeah. Is that... Really? I, I, I mean, you can't be that shit for two seasons in a row and then start this season so shit, <laughs> unless you just get like, you know what, it'll be, it'd be funny. Let's be in the championship <laughs> with our new stadium. Are you saying go backwards to move forwards? Because I've seen people just go back and back and back. Oh, mate. Yeah, well, I, I, jumping in there, I was reading an article on the weekend that uh, it might be a little bit further, the drop might be a little bit further than that in so that the financial irregularities that are going on there with their spending and, and how much they've spent and how much they're in debt could see them drop like, several divisions potentially you know it might be the best stadium in division two or something like that they could be you know coming up against i don't know crawley town or north south united or someone like that um in front of two thousand fans at a packed out stadium somewhere in the lower reaches of england it could be oh very sad days for the toffees well i mean that sounds like a netflix documentary in the waiting well, they could they could get Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney at when Wrexham. I mean, that's it's not all bad. No, they could, could that could make make some money that way. I don't know. <laughs> Is um, there any way to salvage the the year the season? What do you think? Well, I think Frank Lampard Frank Lampard has to come back and do a guest. <laughs> 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 oh, Look, I, I don't know, Potty. I don't want to throw too much more fuel on this bonfire that's taking over because we might cause a bushfire around here somewhere. But it's I I don't know whether I'd call it having the pleasure of watching about half an hour of them play the other night before I went to bed. And let me just put it this way. I wasn't tired before I started watching the game, but yeah. it quickly put me <laughs> um, You're cutting your eyes out. It's early days. They're the only team to have played two games and not scored a goal yet. Now they've lost their, you know, their, their striker, their spearhead. 
Oh, gee, mate, it's a long season, but you, you can rely on me, pal. I won't give it to you too much around the truck. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, if I just jump in there, Cosy, you posed the question to us if there was anyone, any signing we could give back. Now, Potty sort of said he can't remember a signing. However, I reckon if we look at it again, if he could give anyone back, he'd probably give you back for Hard Mashiri and oh. fucking Usmanov. Back to Arsenal, who sold their stake in the club so they could purchase Everton outright. Yeah. So true. it's Very all true. your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've seen this film before. Well, it's just good business sense, isn't it? Good business sense. And, and one, one, one group goes one direction, the other one group goes the other. Oh. Well, yeah. So an absolute, an absolute debacle going on there at the Toffees. This week, they're taking on the Wolves. I mean... Oh, well. Grego, what do you think about that game? I mean, it's it's a good old-fashioned six-pointer, uh, third game of the season. It's, uh, yeah, it's a relegation scrap. <laughs> <laughs> Every point counts. <laughs> Look, I, I'm a bit concerned because I, I did come in and, I mean, I'm up and down like, you know, like a bipolar uh, jack-in-a-box, but... I called for Wolves to be in my relegation zone after the preview. Then I watched Wolves play against United, and I was almost going to come here today and call for them to be out of the relegation zone again. <laughs> so, I mean, that's not good news for the Toffees. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it looks like, as Cosy said, looks like a very long season. And, um, you know, maybe it needs to be because they need to do so- They need some time to do something, but... Yeah, oh, look, against Fulham week one, um, looked promising without being able to put it in the back of the net. Probably looks um, the better team, but just couldn't, no polish whatsoever. You could not say that, La. You could not say that on the weekend. They did not look like the best team tying up the boots. Right, yeah, so we jumped to match day three, mate. What do we got? Okay, so Chelsea versus Luton Town, Bournemouth versus Spurs. Arsenal versus Fulham. Mm, that'd be a good match. Mm. Brentford versus Palace. Uh, Everton versus Wolves in everyone's match of the round, I'd imagine. United versus <laughs> Forest. Brighton versus West Ham. Mm. Burnley versus Villa. Sheffield United versus City. And Newcastle versus Liverpool. Oh, is that a that's a Monday night match, is it, Berta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a it's a bit of a blockbuster. That was um, the notorious nine minutes of overtime, or the sorry, the extra time until Liverpool scores mm. last year, wasn't it? Ah, uh, you mean the uh, Fabio Carvalho goal in the in the time that uh, Pope wasted? Yes, that one. Yes, it was, Gregor. Glad you brought that up. Yeah, um, I mean it, w- it worked for Jurgen Klopp. I mean the amount of sweat that had. Profusively dropped onto the pitch, ensured that it wasn't dry, and uh, they were able to squeak no. in that last-minute goal. Yeah, that'll be a great match. <laughs> oh, oh, beautiful, beautiful! All right, um, before we wrap up the footy chat, what are our fantasy football and our tips for the week. What are, what are our um, tip for the week? We'll, we'll start with you, Cosy. Yeah, so um, I'm putting it out there um, that I've I think the Monday night game that we talked about. Um, I mentioned before about the weather and, and not being and being too cold, but it's it's not cold over there in England at the moment. I think Newcastle versus Liverpool, 
could be an eight-goal thriller. Now, I don't yeah. know who's wow. going to have the better of that. I don't know who's going to, if it's going to be a four-all draw or, or a 6-2 or something like that. So all I can say is probably hide your defenders mm. and get into the attackers for that game. Well, if Isaac scores eight goals, I will be pitching a tent. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. And uh, as we've spoke about um, Cozzy, the champion from last year, take his advice. Take his advice. Uh, Berta, what are you thinking? Um, before their run gets tough, Brighton load up on Brighton and another attacking uh, attacking force. They'll um, they'll keep rolling and, and, and put some goals away against West Ham. Mm. Mm. An informed West Ham. Mm-hmm. Berta, you, you've just... Well, you've, they only had to... Yeah. You've mesmerised me, mate. I am on the Brighton train now from from a call that we all said a couple of weeks ago. Wow, that's a big call, top four. Mm. But at the moment, wow, you've just got me believing. I'm on Brighton as well. well there you go. They're running a bit uh, a bit harder from here, but yeah, at the moment they look very good. Mm. Grego, um, I've got one statement to make: Estupinian or Estupid, your choice. Get him in your side. He's, he started off on fire this year. Mm. What do you reckon, lads? Have you got him? Yeah, uh, I've got him. Not at the moment. Uh, no, I, I don't have him at the moment, um, but uh, just having a look at their run ahead, I, I don't think I'll be bringing him in either. Yeah, well, you were talking about Sorry, this Berta. today, Cosy. What, what's, their, what's their run ahead? The next three matches are pretty rough. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I'm... I'm not as keen on them as Berta is. I mean, when you look at the... Yeah, they've started the season strong, but they've beaten Wolves and Luton. So, you know, like, just a bit hesitant at this stage. And their run ahead includes West Ham, uh, Newcastle, Manchester United, Villa, Liverpool, Man City. You know, so those games are in... They're they're five of the next six games. And, And throwing Bournemouth, who are going all right too. So... I'm playing a long game um, and, and just not keen. I, I will, in saying that, though, I'll probably bring in Matoma. Like, oh, he's a gun. Like, he mm. should be at a big. He should be at a big club. I really rate him, but I might stay away from the um, Brighton defenders. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, we've all locked and loaded. Everyone's in. Everybody knows uh, what to do with their fantasy uh, side this week, mates. And beautiful. Go and get at it. Enjoy. Beautiful. Oh yeah, mate. Another, That's us. Another big wrap for the um, EPL over the weekend. Thanks, Another lads. big wrap. And thank you to our wonderful guests, mate. Good to see experts, you, lads. Experts. Experts. Not even guests. Experts. And, and demanded by the fans. Yeah, no worries, boys. It's been a pleasure for you having me on. Um, I look forward to the next <laughs> I look forward to the next instalment. Absolutely. Um, and Berta, thank you, mate. Yeah, boys. Yeah, thanks for having me once again. Always a pleasure. Enjoy this segment. Have a good night. Yeah, well done. Thank you. And Potty, what do you reckon, mate? Should we rip into the integrity report? Let's get integral. Integrity. This is Democracy Manifest. Radio Potty, we have integrity issues. We do. Every week there seems to be something that's come up and this week is no different. Absolutely not, mate. We've been blindsided. Oh, blindsided. Absolutely. What is Sandra thinking? Oh, mate, she'd be, uh, yeah, her head would be turning, mate. So I don't know if any 
you, of the listeners have heard the recent news. But, um, yeah, um, callous fraud or good old-fashioned shakedown. Mm. You decide. Michael Orr, the NFL superstar at the, uh, at the fr- forefront of the Blindside movie. I mean... Uh, won a few Oscars. Yes, Sandra, I think won Best Actress, and he went he went on to play for the Baltimore Ravens. Won a Super Bowl there, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, everybody loved the movie. Yep. Everybody loved the fact that you know the it was a good story. It was a you know a heartfelt tale, mm. and everybody fell in love with the story. And I mean, it's I'm 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 speechless. It's shattered dreams, isn't it? I mm. mean. You just thought it was, you thought it was something it wasn't, and now you know a Disney Enterprise. It's just it's a horror film. Yeah. Um, so what we thought we'd do for the listeners this week is um, because we don't know where we stand on this. No. So what we thought we would do is we'd have a good, have a good old fashioned trial. Mm. So um, we would like to welcome in our next guest. And uh, Hido, Hido, welcome in, mate. Welcome, Jeff. How are we? Yeah, we're very, very well, good, mate. mate. Welcome, welcome to the um, sports detention. Your debut, debut, your de- debut, and yeah. and a very very big role that you have to play. We've saved you for such a special occasion. Mm. Mm. So we're going to do a good old fashioned mock trial, and we need a judge. Are you up to the job? Happy to jump on board, fellas. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, so how it's going to work is um, obviously we've we've seen the movie. We've heard the story. The news has been out all week about the fact that, you know, Michael Orr is disputing the conservatorship that was placed upon him by the Tuies. And we don't know where we stand. So we thought we're just going to put it all out there. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to put it to trial. Mm. And uh, obviously the judge and jury's decision is final. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Um, the way we thought we would do this is... We're going to flip a coin. We're going to have the judge flip a coin. Is this how it's going to work? Because we've debated this, and I mean, I, I mean, I went full simple Jack when we talked about it before. So, how can judge? Can you explain how this is going to work? How, do, how does flipping a coin work, Judge? Flip <laughs> coin. At first, I thought Will was a PE teacher, but he has confirmed that he does teach religion. Um, so. <laughs> Potty, you're going to give me a call, heads or tails. If you pick it, you get to choose which side you're going for, I guess. I like it. There I we like go. It. All right. So, yeah, so this is already wedged against me. I like it, Judge. Yep. All right. Ready when you are, Judge? I'm going to Ready. call it heads. And we've got a tail Oh, for a tail. Oh, so I get the pick. Lucky for me, I'm good to go either way. Um... I'm going to go with the Tuies. The Tuies. I'm going to go with the Tuies. Okay. Rightio. So now that I, because I've I've won, I get to pick the Tuies. Mm. Um, we'll have another flip. I get to call, and whoever wins it gets to pick whether they go first or not. I'm going to call tails again. Tails never fails. Here we go. Oh, tails. Tails it is. Rightio, Mr. Orr and your defence. Um, for the purpose of this uh, mock trial, you'll be now known no longer as Potty, you'll be known as J.P. Spectre. J.P. Spectre. J.P. Spectre. Okay. Um, and you are out here. 
you know, you're defending your client against conservatorship. Off you go, mate. What do you got? Okay, I'm up first. All right. Thank you. Good evening, Your Honour and esteemed audience. Tonight, I will prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that my client, Mr Orr, has been the victim of a deliberate and ethically immoral financial attack by Sean and Leanne Tui. Objection. (laughs) 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 All right. (laughs) The type of attack, if this type of attack is, is left unattended, the potential to send our already withering societal moral compass spinning out of control is a real, real threat. This issue is about one word. It's trust. Trust is the issue which has been breached in this case, and not only the trust, the trust of a young man, a child virtually. Michael Orr is a humble young man who comes from an impoverished upbringing where he had to fight every day just to survive. His mother, due to numerous substance abuse issues, was unable to attend to his needs and his father, a career criminal, later died in prison. Objection, Your Honour. I would like to uh, highlight for the defence that um, he was actually an adult when he signed the uh, conservatorship. The defence will remain quiet while we uh, listen. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Your Honour. I will address that later on. Just when all hope seemed lost, Michael found what he hoped would be the chance at happiness and the family he had always longed for in Sean and Leanne Tui. Yes, Your Honour and members of the jury, Sean and Leanne, Sean and Leanne's gift to Michael seemed too good to be true and now it is apparent that it was. Taking a young man into their home out of the goodness of their heart was nothing for... Uh, uh, was nothing for these God-fearing Christians. They told anyone who would listen that Michael owed them nothing. However, this was not true. Michael, a talented young sports star, was steered towards the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, to play football for their alum, a clear breach of NCAA bylaws. Yet the deception did not stop here. Just after high school, while already over the age of 18, yes, he was over the age of 18, and considered to be an adult by the state of Tennessee, Sean and Leanne Tui would be named as legal conservators to Michael. Now, unlike other states in America, it is legal to adopt someone over the age of 18. So a conservatorship wasn't necessary. At the time, they explained to to me Uh, explain to Michael that it means pretty much the exact same thing as adopting uh, someone, but that the laws were just written in a way that took my age into account. Now, a conservatorship, Your Honour, as you would well know, is a legal term referring to the legal responsibility of a conservator over the affairs of a person who has been deemed gravely disabled by the court and unable to meet basic needs of food, clothing or shelter. This was not necessarily the case for Michael Law at that time and that age, and adoption was a real possibility. Sean and Leanne... um, had the ability to make financial and schooling decisions for Michael that would have long-term benefits for them. 
this is nothing like adoption, and Michael was in fact never really considered to be a part of the Tui family. Honestly, Michael didn't care what his name was called. He was just happy to be part of the family. They have played on the vault on the vulnerability and utilise their position over a young man for their own benefit. Shame. The Tuis have used Michael Law's name to make millions. They have falsely represented themselves as his adopted parents when legally this has never been the case, saying he discovered in February that the conservatorship was not the arrangement that he had been led to believe by them that it was. They used his name successfully and to create stories such as The Blind Sight and many speaking appearances as well. Therefore, Your Honour, today we petition the following, an immediate end to the Tui's conservatorship, which is still in place today, to bar the Tui's from using his name and likeness. He also wants an accounting of what the Tui's have earned using his name and a fair and equal share of the profits. Mm. Michael, my client, is also seeking damages for the suffering that he has withstood, which will be left unspecified until a true account of this injustice can be made. We thank you, Court and Your Honour, for your time and expertise on this issue and would like to note that my client, Mr. Raw, is willing and forthcoming with any and all assistance required to settle this matter as soon as practically possible. Thank you, Judge. Well, what do you think of that one, Judge? Uh, he brings uh, some great points uh, to the courtroom. Uh, <laughs> but I'm very intrigued to hear the other side of the story, as there is always one. There is always there two is sides always of the story. another side of the story in fiction. You're right, Judge. <laughs> mm, well, what we're going to do is, um, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm going to encourage um, that the the accusation and the and the uh, attorney on the other side to be um, wipes his chin because uh, he's dribbling. <laughs> um, this is not a Hollywood film. I mean, however, he would be up for an Oscar for the garbage that he's just put forth to the court. Um, in defence of uh, Sean and Leanne Tui. I mean, a humble married couple, okay? Just doing the Lord's work in reaching out to a young man in need. This is not about money. This has never been about money. This is about the well-being of Michael Law. Sean and Leanne Tui have been actively involved in Michael Law's life for a significant period, Your Honour. Their relationship with him... Your Honour. Their relationship has, in fact, actually been estranged for over a decade now. Yeah, don't let the truth get in the way of a good (laughs) yarn, Your Honour. Their relationship with him dates back to his high school days where they took him into their home, provided him with a stable environment, as the defence had um, alluded to. It It was quite turbulent and supported his educational and personal growth. Now, I believe statements from their client, Mr. Orr, has alluded in the public realm that um, he was really disappointed about the Blindside movie and the Hollywood component of this story is what's driving him to dispute the conservatorship and the idea that he has been hard done by. 
he feels as though the movie made him look stupid, which Hollywood will do that to you, bruh. That does not change what actually occurred and the truth of these, this matter. The two his actions clearly demonstrate their genuine concern for Michael's well-being throughout his upbringing. They had genuine intentions. It is important Objection, to recognise... Speculation. <laughs> speculations make for good theatre, Your Honour, and I'll I appreciate you dismissing that. that. <laughs> <laughs> the Tuohys have consistently acted within the boundaries of the law and have not sought to exploit or manipulate Michael Law's situation. Let's make that clear. Their actions have been rooted in their genuine desire to see him thrive and lead a fulfilling life. Their involvement has been voluntary and diver- driven by a sense of moral duty rather than ulterior motives. The idea was always to provide a stable support system. The Tui's home provided that for Michael. It provided a stable and nurturing environment. Their actions have demonstrated their commitment to helping him overcome the challenges and achieve his potential. A potential that was undeniable with him making it into the NFL. Their ongoing support has facilitated his growth as an individual. Both academically and personally, mind you. So although Michael Orr was disappointed at the portrayal in Hollywood gave him, it worked. There was collaborative efforts that occurred. Sean Leanne Tui, they've collaborated with professionals, so it wasn't just them claiming that they are doing all the work here. They worked with educators, counsellors, medical professionals to address the unique needs and challenges of Mr Orr. Their willingness to seek expert guidance highlights their dedication to his betterment. And I want you to remember that, please, Your Honour. It's important also to know that Michael Law had agency. He is an autonomous individual. He's capable of making his own decisions, and he was when he signed over that conservatorship. Throughout his time with the Tuohys, he had the opportunity to express his preferences and voice his concerns. The Tuohys have respected his autonomy while providing a supportive foundation for him to flourish. Now, the charges and the idea that there was some misdoing were explored by the NCAA. Now, without speculating, but I will, the NCAA are the most criminal organisation in this world. And if they could find no wrongdoing in all the wrongdoing that they do... I would say that we could throw that one in the bin. Speculation, Your Honour. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. It's speculation, but I'm going to roll with it. In conclusion, the Tui's actions have been consistently demonstrated their commitment to Michael Law's well-being, their genuine intentions and adherence to legal and ethical standards. Their involvement has been marked by a deep sense of responsibility and care. Therefore, we request the court to consider the evidence presented in this defence statement. My clients, Sean and Leanne Tui, have expressed to me that they would be willing to forego the conservatorship because that's not the issue. They believe there is a deeper sense of need here for Michael Law and he's after cash. Cash that is not there. Cash that is speculation and we would ask that you dismiss the claims 
made it this time. Thank you for your consideration. What do we think, Judge? What do you think, Judge? You've, you've had, got to make a decision. You've had time to deliberate. <laughs> both, both strong, strong arguments for both sides. Mm. Mm. Artificial <laughs> intelligence is pretty <laughs> impressive these days. I feel like both have embellished and uh, stretched the truth a little bit on both sides. Oh, we would uh, objection, <laughs> objection, <laughs> Your Honor. But I've always been a big um, fan of. Never letting the truth get in the way of a good story. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yep, I agree, hundred percent. And that that movie has—I've clocked up some hours watching that movie. Oh, we're, <laughs> potty, we're both losing here. <laughs> we're, we're, we're both. We're both uh, <laughs> he's going to sit on the fence. <laughs> I will not have that movie ruined. <laughs> Uh, look, no, I, I don't think Mike Law would have got to the NFL without the twoies. Well, I rest my case. Thank you. <laughs> they did so, not give him his talent, Judge. <laughs> mate, I, I mean, if you, are you suggesting that Sean Tui ran the 40 for him at the combine? <laughs> Oh, look, I'm going to take that as a victory. Am I wrong? Yeah. Uh, here it is. Here's the- oh, he's got the gavel. Oh, oh, yes. He's got the gavel. The gavel on oak. Oh, what a way to finish. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> now, Michael Rostog Gregor or someone? <laughs> yeah, Rostog. I've got the same qualifications, uh, but I don't have the ability to memorise text like he did, unfortunately. <laughs> Judge, thank you. We had to call someone of your um, esteemed prestige in mm. tonight. Yeah, uh, that to, was to fun. Sort out this that issue. was fun. Um, before we let you go, we know you're a big St Kilda's fan, Judge. Um, former Mayor of St Kilda. Former Mayor of St Kilda, of course. Uh, they're into the finals this year. You must be happy. Very happy, boys. Uh can't thank the Adelaide Crows enough for knocking <laughs> I'm upset on the weekend. Uh, and it would have been, we would have secured it earlier if it hasn't been for the the goal umpire that uh, called it behind too against Sydney. Oh, good they call. Were, good call. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pretty sure we'll go out first round, but hey. We were there. Excuses are for losers. Mate, if you're going to start bagging out umpires, you've got a real future on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Hitto, thank you very much for your contribution, mate. It won't be the last time we hear from you on the sports detention. I can be certain of that. Uh, Thank you again, mate. Thanks, mate. No worries, boys. I'll just go put this coin back in my kids' money box. uh... (laughs) Well, Keep the gavel for (laughs) Yeah, keep the gavel, mate. You might need it. Righty-o, potty. That was a ripper. A ripper, mate. Should we get into uh, sport from around the globe? I like it. All right, mate. All sports, everything happening at the moment. Um, so, uh, jumping straight into the UFC, mate. Uh, UFC uh, 292 over the weekend. Mate. And uh, in, were you impressed with the card? 
Uh, I liked the card leading into it. Yep. Um, I dropped the ball with it. If I'm full disclosure, um, I, I watched the main event. Yep. However, uh, and I also watched the Chris Weidman uh, versus Brad Tavares fight, but I missed the others. Um, usually by this time of the week, I've already got into them. But um, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think I was, you know, jumping out of my skin. The fact that uh, Whaley, uh, Ian Gary, uh, Damon Blackshear, who obviously bounced back from a, a card the other week, and uh, Marlon Vera, they were all decisions. Yeah, okay. You know, so I, I mean... That's I, not I, the sort of stuff that grabs you to run mate, to the replay. I'm a, I'm a busy man, yeah. but I, I usually by now I've I've got a got on top of it. But um, I did catch the the big talking point, which was obviously the the uh, main event where where Sugar Sean O'Malley has taken the taken the title from Aljamain Sterling in convincing fashion as well. I so mean, it was it was slick. Yeah, watching the replay for that wouldn't have taken you too much time. No, um, I th- I mean. I was expecting Aljamain to come out, and he's been, as I mentioned last week, he's been super impressive. You know, yep. he's grappling um, and and putting that together yep. um, since he has won the title has, has been, you know, really, really impressive. But, I mean, Sugar Sean, the hype was there, and, yep. I mean, the hype is real, you know. Um, he, he put him away in the second. Yeah, so um, he ended it pretty quickly in the second round. Mm. Yep. So, um, what there was a little bit of uh, talk because I watched the I watched the uh, replay of the fight and there was a little bit of talk around um, the stoppage mm. and the fact that uh, um, Sterling. Oh, it was Sterling a stoppage. Was, no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, don't. Let's not be fooled by that. You know, yeah. yes, Aljamain. I mean, he doesn't have to be iced for it to be over. Yeah. So, from you my know, point of view, me, from a bit of a was, uh, from a bit it. of a novice point of view. I found it strange that they were talking about it as if it was a as if it was a strange stoppage. Yeah, it looked I've, like it needed to be stopped from that perspective. I would suspect that that's come from the O'Malley haters. Yeah, you know, okay. he's a very polarizing figure. I like him; he's entertaining. Um, yep. But there's obviously going to be a, a large majority of people who don't like someone who has cornrows, pink hair, and is white, yep. um, and you know, uh, is is quite a, a big personality. Um, yep. He's always going to have the haters. I, I think it's. Um, yeah, you, you've sort of got to got to keep an open mind to that when you when you're hearing those comments. Um, Aljamain Sterling in the post fight press, he's called for a rematch, yep. which I mean, as he would. But um, you know, he got quite emotional um, in the fight uh, uh, in the pre- post fight presser. I there was probably a lot of burden hanging on his shoulders being the champion by the by the sounds of that interview that he put forth sort of went back to his childhood said you know about my upbringing and and the like so he has achieved a lot as a fighter but you know for me when I saw that I was like he I think he was honestly surprised at how quick he was put away Mm. and he obviously saw something in the fight which although can you know calling for a rematch he, he probably doesn't like his chances, to be honest. He was he, he appeared as though he was coming to terms with a deficit in skill set yeah. in that press conference. And I know, I know that's a big call considering it was just after the fight. But, I mean, if you look at the stats on rematches, I think it's upwards around 80% of the rematches are won by the champion. Yeah, okay. So I, the odds aren't there. No. You know, so, but anyway, it was, uh, yeah, I, I would say they possibly run it again. Um, Aljamain Sterling was talking about going up, but I mean, he even after the fight said 
how could I ever go up and fight Volkanovski if I got put away like that? Yeah. You know, imagine what he'd do to me. Yeah, you right. know, so there's, he's. I mean, he he took the he took the loss like a champion. Uh, much respect to Aljamain Sterling, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he goes from here. Uh, rematch in O'Malley's, <coughs> excuse me, best interest or? Um, I think so. You know, if if there, I mean, it does open the fact that there are fights there. But what Aljamain Sterling did to that division mm. um, is he cleared it. You know, so you had. Uh, Henry Cejudo and you had TJ Dillashaw, former champions. Aljamain beat both of them. So at least there's not those lingering, oh, yeah, but you beat Aljo, could you beat TJ or could you beat Henry? You know, those are all sort of pushed to the side now. So it's time for those fresh challenges to come through, whether it be um, Corey Sandhagen, um, you know, that that might be. But he's just got got injured. Um, Obviously, he had the disappointing... Uh, I mean, you can't be disappointed with a victory, but he had a disappointing performance in his last fight. So I think there is space there in the calendar, which mm. would allow O'Malley to um, to fight Sterling. Yep. Um, the other fight that could be interesting for O'Malley would be Vera. Uh, Marlon Cheeto Vera beat him. Uh, it was a doctor's stoppage due to an injury, but Cheeto was actually winning that fight convincingly leading into it. Um, so there's a bit of a storyline there that if he does get through the, the rematch and Cheeto gets another good win, uh, you could get that, that sort of, uh, rematch as well for on, in O'Malley's favor. So there's, there's another challenger coming through. Um, yeah, so, so there's a few fights and there's some, some fresh, uh, fresh eyes on the division and, and, um, it gives an opportunity to those fight fighters coming up through the ranks. Yeah, right. Well... Interesting to see. Interesting times ahead. Um, Not much else on the calendar, mate. Yeah, mate. It's been a bit of a light week. We know that's going to change very quickly. Um, Just quickly on tennis. uh, Novak Djokovic won in three sets in the Cincinnati Masters over... um, uh, Masters season. Yeah, Masters season. end of the season, they get all the big hitters in. They do over uh, Carlos Alcaraz and... um, Alcaraz was actually in tears after it and yep. um, uh, so devastated with the loss. Now, this is a bloke who is the current U- US Open champion and the current Wimbledon champion, just beat Novak uh, a month ago or a month and a half ago at Wimbledon. Mm. So he's on top of the world and he's lost uh, Cincinnati and he's in tears. He is going to be a, a big-time player yeah. for years to come. There's there's a desire there yep. that you're looking for if you're a fan. Yeah, so perhaps some of the youngsters who've come through over the last 10 years haven't been able to match it with the likes of Novak, Rafa, Roger, not necessarily on talent but on that pure ruthless desire. Mm. Uh, I think I think Carlos Alcaraz is a, diff- excuse me, a different beast. Yeah, oh, that's... Uh yeah, definitely one to look out for. One to look out for. Mate, um, interesting point. The the F1's back. The F1's so back. So the F1's back this weekend. So, um, yeah, we're off to the Netherlands. So uh, Maxi's home track. Oh, yes. Um, but they've had their, obviously, their, their summer break. So, um, yeah, obviously back this weekend. So it'll be a bit of, bit of F1 to talk about next week, which would be great. 
Definitely, definitely. And uh, nothing too much uh, to report in the golfing world at this stage. But um, while the Masters are finished up for the year, we do have the Ryder Cup coming up at the end mm. of September, beginning of October. So Yeah, that'll be good. To, and um, can I assume that with the uh, the smoothing of waters that, um, you know, all those live golfers will be right to jump back into the team? I'd say so. I'd say so. Mm. NFL... Uh, Week two, the preseason. Um, yeah. I didn't see much action on, no, on I didn't the catch field, much of it. but I saw some action off the field. Did you see some of the knuckle ons? I think the oh, yeah, yeah. the 49ers fans were absolutely blowing like, oh mate, they were, you know, it was like they were f- fighting over food scraps. Yeah. They were oh, into it. Crazy. Um, but they love it. They love it. Mm. And um, the I, I think we're about three weeks off. Um, uh, first game, so yeah. and that that'll um, be uh, definitely covered extensively here on the sports detention. We love the uh, love the NFL, certainly will. Up the Seahawks, up the Seahawks. Um, who would have thought? There's actually a there's actually a franchise that we both support. Mm, there you go, mate. There you go. And um, there's uh, either nothing in rugby or we just don't want to talk about it. Yeah, so, no. <laughs> I mean, Eddie Jones has been riling the media up again, but uh, yeah, nothing of of note there, mate. Uh, talking about nothing of note, mate. Should we discuss our multis? Yeah, mate. That's definitely nothing of note. I went for something that's been uh, a little bit generous to me over the course of the year, and by generous, not as um, bad as everything else is what I mean. I went for the first try score, and Ooh. I did not pay, mate. I, I got Dylan Edwards, but I missed out on Shawnee Russell for Parramatta. Yeah, and uh, I forget who I had for my third. Did I go Dominic Young again? I mean, I, I do, think so. I do like jumping in on Dominic Young, but um, maybe I need to maybe I need to look elsewhere. Dallin. Dallin. Dallin, oh, Dallin, he is a special. He's mm. paying a dollar oh one at the minute. Yeah. So one from three, mate, an absolute shit fight at the moment. Poor effort pod. Yeah. Well, I don't know why I'm giving you tips anyway because I got zero from three. It was an absolute debacle, mate. Mm. I had, uh, I believe I had the, do I have the Matildas? Uh, uh, I think you might have had. I had yeah, the Tillies I had United um, and then... Uh, I believe I had Aljamain Sterling in the <laughs> fights as well. So it was an absolute shit show, a that debacle, a, a loss. Uh, it was just, yeah, I, I mean, I I need to have a good hard look at myself. Um, but speaking of good hard looks at yourself, I actually, uh, yeah, so no, sorry, I had uh, United, Aljamain, and I had England to lift the cup. England or yeah, so lifting the cup was different. So it was obviously regular time, penalties, extra time, regardless to lift the cup. But yeah, I got that wrong anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, I had a a loyal listener, a loyal listener, pull me up today, and actually say, "Oh, I was listening to the multis, and I threw some cash on. Oh, it didn't get up." Didn't and ask for I, a refund, did they? Well, I had to tell that loyal listener, don't listen to our multis. It's purely for entertainment it's purposes. Purely for enter- <laughs> laugh at us, not cry with us. Yes, no. Go against us and then laugh at us. Laugh at us. Yes, no, it's definitely for entertainment because if you're following our multis, uh, we're leading you to dark places. We are leading you right there. All right, mate. Um, finishing off for the week, I think we've got to go to the main event, don't yeah. we, in the penis of the week. And penis um, of the week. I'll kick us right off here, but I, 
You already know mine, mate. I, I started with it. I'm finishing with it. I just can't go past the Victorian government spending nearly half a billion dollars All in. on nothing, mate. That is Ooh. just, you know, tax per, taxpayers' hard-earned money. That'll do me. Come yeah. on. Some accountability. An apology. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Oh, mate. I mean, next minute they'll be telling everybody they can't leave their house. Yeah. Victoria. <laughs> no, you wouldn't do that, would you? For longer than anywhere else in the world. Oh, mate. Oh, I, you, you know, that's, that's, that is some serious penis of the week. I don't know how mine's going to go down with the fans. My penis of the week is Craig Foster. Now, Cosy spoke about it earlier on the podcast. He mentioned about royalty. And the talk about uh, royalty uh, being the, you know, president at the World Cup final. Now, Craig Foster, and I know Craig Foster, he's obviously does a fair fair bit of analysis. Um, on He's always been on SBS and the like. He's, obviously, his interview came up pretty famous when Ange got the job at Tottenham because they had a big spill on the, on the live on TV where, um, you know, they had a back and forth. But... Um, you know, I'm starting to get the gist that Craig and I probably wouldn't be friends. Mm. Um, you know, obviously he has um, <coughs> he has gone after the Prince of Wales. Gone after him? He's gone after the heir to the throne. He has complained that, and it's got nothing to do with Prince William not being out here for the World Cup, but the fact that Prince William sent out a... Uh, message to the lionesses a video message however he didn't send anything out to the matildas so craig who it turns out is a staunch republican is saying that this is one of the core reasons why we should be a republic because he can't even bother to wish the matildas well in a game that i would argue doesn't matter a third-place playoff is the most irrelevant game in football. So anyway, Craig, you are the penis of the week because, quite frankly, um, to think that Prince William gives a shit about the Matildas when he is wishing the Lioness as well in the final just shows me where you're at and your head is pretty firmly up your backside. <laughs> To think that he would go, oh, yes, I wish the Lionesses well, but I also wish our fellow Commonwealth country Australia well in the match that nobody gives a shit about. Shows me that you are a Muppet. Um, So he's put out there, he's put out a tweet. He said, you are aware at Kensington Royal that the Matildas are playing for third, right? And that we are one of the realms asked to cry out our allegiance to your old man, his hairs and successors, IAU. Not much allegiance in return, clearly. Foster's tweet was accompanied by hands in emoji. Uh, hands, head in hands emoji. Um, look, the way that Craig Foster has acted, Potty, tells me that um, if there were another referendum just out of pure principle and anti-flog movement, I'm going to vote to stay in the monarch. <laughs> <laughs> He's just lost votes. Yeah. 
Ah, uh, Craig, your penis of the week, mate. Mate. Your penis. And and quite frankly, your your penis of the century for the way you spoke to royalty, mate, Australian royalty in Ange Postacoglu. How dare you? How dare you? We love Ange. We're never going to forget that, mate. No. No, anyway, Craig, you do, you do, I mean, you do analyse the football really well, but you're still the penis of the week. Easy, mate. Well, that's us. We're done, mate. Locked in. All done. Anything else to add before we finish up, mate? Just as always, thank you to our loyal listeners. We love you. Absolutely. Get behind like, us on subscribe. the socials. Uh, give us a rating on your uh, podcast platform of, of preference. Um, yeah, and we hope you enjoy the content. We ain't going anywhere. And for all our listeners, in Sawtell, home of the Panthers, we say goodnight. And farewell.